Hey, this is episode 184 of the Collector's Quest podcast. In this episode, we're talking about some obscure games that came with presents when you bought them because it's the holiday season. And there have been a lot of games in history that thought they couldn't sell you themselves on their own merits, so they came with some little piece of junk or toy to trick a child into actually buying it. But now us as collectors, we love that junk, so we're gonna talk about like eight of them. Tell your mom about the show, give us five stars in iTunes, and let's go. to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler, here with Johnny. Johnny, what's going on? It's Saturday morning. This is really... It's, it. Yeah, it's like I've been here all morning. And it's actually not even a morning show now because it's afternoon here, Tyler. That's I'm weird. So, it's 4 p.m. and I said it's Saturday morning. I would have yeah. waken up early if I knew that you were uh, waiting for me here. Oh, I mean, it's like we talked about it. When yeah, we talked about it. it like days ago, but then I asked you again last night, and you didn't. And, and I posted it like oh my God. I posted a response almost instantly. Yeah, it was like I told you exactly what was what. Yeah, that's weird. Only had I told you multiple times. Nope, I did that. Only I was had up I told late, you. John. You know what? Three or four. Yeah, I, I know you were up late because it was like eleven o'clock, and it's like Tyler last seen eight hours ago. Uh, <laughs> I was like, that's he was up late. I put up my Christmas tree last night, Johnny. It was very uh, exciting. I, I saw. I saw Ada post oh, a you picture saw it. of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, the wire cutter now owned by the New York Times. I They're know that's recommend- upsetting, right? What? Was that upsetting for you when you saw that? Because I went to the wire cutter and it's like New York Times. I'm like, I don't want that on my wire. Oh, cutter. I wish they were still like independent, but yeah, yeah it is kind of. I don't like when anything gets owned by anything. Like Giant yeah. Bomb, I'm sure, is just as good as before GameSpot bought them again, but it's like. I literally, I went to Giant Bomb because we wanted to get these journalists out of GameSpot. So what the fuck? Why would I follow them back to GameSpot? It's just weird. Yeah. Anyways, you went to the Wirecutter, now owned by the New York Times. Yes. And I bought their upgrade pick, Johnny. It's uh, it's Twinkly Bulbs. You Oh, you bought Twinklies. Yes. Yeah. Nice. So you wrap them around your tree and you like kind of shoot your, your phone at your tree to it makes like a 3D model of your tree. And yep. then you could do like different creates patterns li- with the lights. Creates based a light on- map. Yeah, so based on where they are geographically rather than where they are yep. on the line. Very expensive, very fancy, really good for making fancy effects with your bulbs, really bad for making your tree look classy. So for all the whiz-bang features this thing has, the white uh, the white light in it is just too cool for me. And so when you have RGB and a cool white bulb, it's really hard to make a nice-looking warm white. And when I think Christmas, I think warm white bulbs... Uh, so I spent you, like, I always think of warm white as like really boring. You said I wanted like warm white and then I wanted it to have like some like red twinkles, just like a little bit of accent to be like, oh yeah, check it out. I spent a hundred dollars okay. for these led light bulbs. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. It's I, like, I don't even know if I'm going to put them on the tree next year, Johnny. Cause you like can, I was going to do rainbow, those. but I think yeah, rainbow yeah. is a little bit much for Christmas. It doesn't really, it clashes with the ornaments and stuff. Okay. So I, I, uh, there's a way to get a nice white. Like if you go to, uh, I think it's Firework, you get kind of a nice uh, soft warm white. Um, you There's a bunch of different effects. There's even like um, that you can download from their store where you can, or not from their store, from like their, they have like custom like layouts that you can download. 
um, that people have created. Like there's candle. If you read up on it, there's a way to set the bulbs probably to a color you'll find more pleasing. I, I've got it to the best warm white I can. And I know I'm hitting the physical limitations of light, Johnny. Anyway, that's okay. my review of well, Twinkly Bulbs. If you like classy looking Christmas trees, maybe save the $100. Okay. See, I, I disagree because I have a Twinkly, I have Twinkly Bulbs in my tree as well. Because I'm fancy. And actually, our whole tree is like wired with twinkly bulbs. It was like, we bought one of these artificial trees that had them in there. So my wife was like, these are beautiful. I want these. And I was like, why am I spending $500 on a Christmas tree? I don't know. Uh, That seems crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it was. This was like, she was also pregnant at the time. And I, uh, and then my son literally came two days later. uh, So I was not going to argue with her um, because she was like that pregnant. I was just like... You know, I mean, my son came like six weeks, five weeks early, uh, so he wasn't supposed to come then. But also, she's at that point of pregnancy where you just like, uh, you do some yes dears uh, just to save yourself because like they are just, you know, carrying so much extra baby in them and they're uncomfortable and there's nothing they can do and they're unhappy. So if I could spend a little money and make her a little happier, sure. That's what I did. Anyways, got the twinkly bulbs. I have liked them, but I don't do uh, soft white or warm whites in it. Um, I do typically red and green and white in there. Um, but what I was saying, like you can set some of the twinkle, like if you set, like if you set some, like the rate and speed of the twinkle and stuff, like it'll offset. There's, there's ways to play. It took me about two years of, of doing it to finally fine tune it exactly to what I want. Cause I like, I don't like super bright. I like to be able to see the ornaments when you walk up to it and not be blinded because they yeah. can get very bright. Uh, so this like is they're like deep set in. And that's like part of the key is like do a deep set on your lights and then have them kind of, I, I set it to like radiate out and then like twinkle, like a, a twinkle effect, like radiate out bright and then pull back. And then you see um, some nice effects. When you were telling me how nice my tree looked yesterday, um, that was twinkly bulbs. Ooh. So I've got it set now to like the soft white for, uh, just like regular. It's like a soft white with a little bit of red twinkles in there. And then every 30 minutes, it does two minutes of like some crazy rainbow shit. Just so I could feel like I got my money's worth out of the bulbs. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we literally said to the same thing. I have my little thing saved now. And, uh, the only thing I don't like, cause I have like an older generation one now, like you have to like log into their Wi-Fi thing. That it produces. I don't know if you have to do that. I have to like log into their Wi Fi. So. It's it's obnoxious, and then I can't go back to like my. It's it's dumb when I'm setting. This. Alexa doesn't connect to it. It's a big hassle for me. Yeah, it it there it definitely has some drawbacks. Shut up! I um, told you, do not disturb Alexa. Oh my god, oh, she's talking back. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, I I like mine, but like I said, there's definitely some drawbacks. Uh, I give it a solid like eight point five out of ten. Mine would be less right now, Johnny. But uh, yeah. but you know, like give me, give me two years to play with them. Yeah. Um, like, they are like, and that's just like the functionality of it. Like the actual look for me is like a ten out of ten, and like the stuff you can make it do, like all the crazy patterns. If you like, really want to, like, because you can set it to music and stuff. Like I make it sometimes for my son. He likes it. I make it dance to music. Like the lights do all. Like you can do all kinds of fun stuff. There's a lot of interesting things you can do, but uh, the technical aspects of it are, are sometimes frustrating. You got any uh, presents under that tree, Johnny? No, no, not at all. Are you kidding? My son would just walk up to them and rip them open. Also, my wife stopped putting presents under the tree uh, our first or second Christmas together because I walked up to gifts and I started picking them up. And I'm like, this is this. I'm like, and this is this. 
And after that, I'm not even allowed to touch Christmas presents anymore. Once they're that, wrapped, I'm not allowed to touch it. I was trying to transition us into some video games. I know what you were trying okay. to do, but I, <laughs> I ignored you because I wanted to talk about how I'm not allowed to touch uh, Christmas presents okay. and, and how sad I am. I So, uh, because uh, just coronavirus, I'm sending packages all over the country and people are, are sending me and Ada packages. Um, I guess that's how Christmas always works, but like, there's a lot less in-person seeing still. So I'm getting packages from my family. And so no one wants to buy a package and then rewrap it and ship it. So what everyone is doing is they're just shipping less like random Amazon packages. And then we are wrapping them for ourselves and putting them under the tree. That's fun. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah. Oh, I, I, uh, I enjoy that. I, uh, I got a, a package, not from Amazon, from some guy named Tyler the other day. Uh, whoa. Weird. Whoa. That was weird. That's what, did someone actually put the effort into repacking a Christmas gift for you, maybe? They must have. Mm-hmm. They they looked like they bought from, because, uh, you know, they bought from multiple sources and they definitely put them all in a box. So that means they shipped them to themselves. They didn't even direct ship it, which is no. my suggestion Fuck for everybody. That. Direct shipping is the best. I I had some stuff I needed to get you, Johnny. By the way, we're talking about the Collector's Quest Secret Santa, patreon.com slash collector's quest. Uh, I guess you'll do it next year, so wait 11 months before coming there. Yeah, you got to tell me uh, when we're opening those. Or we could transition uh, into the show, because it's been nine we, minutes. That's what I was doing. I was talking about presents. I went back to oh. talking about your... Yeah, see, I was trying to transition you back into it. Don't you love waking up Christmas morning, you go under the tree, and... Under the tree is a present, and it's a video game, Johnny. I do well, love that. We were thinking, what video games themselves came with presents for you, the player? Like little knickknacks and toys, and we're going to stay away from comic books or things you need to play the game. Like Lego Dimensions doesn't count, because those are really just accessories to play the game. Just stuff that came with the game. The feelies, the, the cool little bonuses you get. But then, Johnny, as we were thinking about this, I thought... Fuck that. That's all That's all rubbish that you don't need. We're, we're environmentally harming the planet with stuff that just does not need to exist. The video game should be the present. So instead, we're just going to be talking about our favorite video games, Johnny, because the, the video games themselves are what should be the present. So my first nope. game is The nope. Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, uh, the best video game. Okay. <laughs> you don't even know how to take it. Um, sure. That's, that's one angle to take it. Yeah. We're just going to tell you about our five favoritest games. Like we've never mentioned them before. <laughs> All right. Tyler likes Ocarina of Time, uh, Mario 64, Ninja Gaiden 2, uh, what? Ninja Gaiden 3, Ninja, Ninja Gaiden, Gaiden 1. Two. Yeah. I did that. Get too out of purpose. here. <laughs> uh, he really likes, uh, Golf It and, um, I do gold, really like Golf It. A golden Tea. Like if he could... He he loves all these things. All right. Those are Tyler's five. All right. And, and uh, on to mine. Um, Zelda, Final Fantasy, Metroid, Mario. Uh, yeah, you know. You missed real Metroid Prime for me. I am the biggest Metroid fan on the show. I, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> such a big fan. <laughs> I haven't Anyways. played Metroid 5 yet. Yep. So, yeah, there it is. There, there's a list. That's uh, been... Nine minutes on twinkly bulbs and two minutes on games. See you later, guys. Thanks for listening. No, uh, we are talking about games that came with those little knickknacks, like Tyler was saying. Like games that came with little gifts. And as he said, not comics, not accessories. Like if it came with a gun, no, that you need that to play the game. Or like Stack Up came with all that junk 
we need that to play the game. So we're not, it does not count. So we're going to talk about games Wait, that came with presents. Do you, need, do you need the stack up stuff to play the game? I think so. I think I you mean, can play I, stack up without it. If I you can you, visualize what's happening in your head. I, I think that's true, but I think they intended you to use it to play. Uh, yes, they did. Okay. I mean, because they sold Gyromite without the thing, and then they sold a Rob that had stuff, and then they sold a Gyromite with all the stuff, so who knows? I don't know. That's, it, it's a weird thing. Um, all right. I guess uh, that, like, Carmen Sandiego doesn't count either, because do you need, you need the almanac, right? Oh, damn. We're going to have to scrub Carmen Sandiego from your list, Johnny. Yep. Oh, well, God damn. Anyways, um, so that's what we're talking about. And uh, Tyler is going to go ahead and lead us off with some weird Tyler stuff. And then I'll talk <laughs> about stuff that's too modern and not nearly as collectible. So basically, you'll be a wash and stuff that you're like, should I be buying this? And we're like, here's a collectible Christmas episode. Uh, you're welcome. I think it would be totally normal for everyone to not have or not want literally every game we're about to talk about. I think I I've disagree. got one. I've got one. I, I got a couple on here. All right. Johnny, I'm starting out hot with 688 attack sub for the Sega Genesis. Whoa. That's a Genesis game, and it's a grid game. Tell me more. Whoa. Uh, submarine simulator, Johnny. Uh, this, like, used to be a freaking genre, and I guess this originally came out on DOS in 1989. Like, but then we also had like the silent service games like the, the Cold War must have got people interested in submarines where kids like, yeah, I can't wait to start a global thermonuclear war with my submarine. Also, I think uh, Hunt for Red October, the book was very popular oh. and the movie with Sean Kyle. Like, I think that came out in that same time frame, right? That sounds like probably was like 89, 90. Uh, sure. I don't know. Um, when did the movie come out? If the That's what I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. 1990, Hunt for Red October. Oh, okay. All right, yeah, so, I mean, summaries used to be hot. Where did they go, Johnny? Like, the silent service games, there's, like, five of them on PC, I think. They, were, they weren't, they were like, big, but they were not small. I mean, and silent service is just a very good game, so. Uh, yeah, like, a meme in the NES Love community it. for how common it is. I, I haven't played the Love NES it. version. Have I? I don't Love know. Love it. But it's not that bad. 688 Attack Sub, the first print, Johnny. It came with a hunter-killer patch shrink-wrapped to the outside of the game, and I have never seen one. Um, so I've seen one because someone showed me one. Um, you seen it sealed? I Yeah, I saw a picture of one, but I've never held one. No, whoa, like send it. me that picture because that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> oh, okay. So I only noticed that I don't even – why was I looking for 688 attack stuff? I don't know. I saw this on eBay. And I saw uh, one of the versions that came with a patch. And I'm like, what? This game came with a patch? Because you never see this game with a patch. It's a very, like, common garbage game that no one wants. So I look into it, and then Moby Games has, like, a little trivia section that says, like, oh, the first prints of this game came with a patch shrink wrap to the outside. And then I look into the PC version, and the PC version came with a patch, too. So I start looking for all the patches on eBay. And there's one copy of the Genesis version with a patch. I think there's two or three DOS copies that had a patch. And then there's just a bunch of loose patches because there's this whole community of nerds who collect reproduction military patches. So, like, every single patch on eBay that I looked at is entirely different. So, obviously, these aren't real patches that they're giving us. They're reproductions. But all the reproductions, even between the ones that were in the PC versions and the Genesis version, all different 
So I have no idea which one is actually real because you can get a reproduction hunter killer patch for like $2. They are worthless and they look almost the same as what I assume the real one would look like. And so there's kind of this problem that I don't know how to complete this game now. I want this patch, but I want to be 100% sure that's a real one. And I think the only way to do that is either to get a sealed copy with the patch, which I've never seen, or to find that sealed copy with the patch and start like hunting through eBay listings looking for one that matches. Now I have to look because I was pretty sure I was just shown a picture of one not too long ago. Now I have to make sure I'm not, I didn't just, I mean, I sent you a picture of the complete box one on eBay. And I was like, did you know this came with a patch? Hmm. Well, Tyler, I got good news for you. Uh, What's the good news? I have no good news. I thought the good news was going to be no one cares. Tyler, no one cares about your 688 attack sub back in. Would you pay $40 for a complete one with the patch? No, because there was recently a DOS one for uh, $25. And it's like, who is going to put a reproduction patch inside their DOS copy of 688 attack sub? But I still didn't buy it because I didn't know that it's exactly the same as the one that came with the Genesis version, which came out like a year or two later. So, okay, well, two years later, actually. So hmm. on your head, be it that you don't want to pay $40 for this nice one. What are you talking like? All right, we're going to the eBay. We're looking up 688 attacks. See now that we got it's getting the collector's quest. No, no, no. Just move on. No. What are you talking about? What are we buying? We're not buying anything. I don't see it. it it's I'm 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 just trolling you. Oh my god! There's nothing. Like I, there's nothing here. If you just want a patch, you could either you could get it for two dollars or you could buy a PC version like twenty five dollars. But I want to make sure it's a hundred percent correct. Anyway, I thought it's interesting. I want someone else to look into it because I I don't care enough, and neither does anyone else listening to this show. <laughs> that is the unfortunate part. No one cares. Uh, oh, video games. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you about... I'm just going to go entirely into left field on mine, all right? I'm I'm taking you to the DS. The DS is a home full of games you can buy that have toys littered with them. You know, you can buy, like, what is it, like Squibbles or some Squinkies. There's a ton of games you can buy on the DS that have a toy with them. But this one... I, I think it's cool because it comes with an action figure, and we've talked about it before, once upon a time, but it's Power Rangers Samurai for the DS. It comes packed with a, a full action figure, and Power Rangers are hot, and people love Power Rangers, so go check that out. I don't have much to tell you about it. It comes like in a long, thin package. It goes for about 80 bucks. Um, you know, sometimes you can find it for as low as 25 but I, I think when people know, they put it at 80 and other people who don't care, just, you know, drop it on eBay. If you can find an auction, you can probably win it cheap. Anyways, uh, because Tower talked a lot about a weird patch, I'll just give you that quick one. <laughs> um, I like I like how many DS games go for like that ha- Happy Meal mentality of like, well, this game's shit, but if we include a little figure with it, the kids will buy it anyway. Oh, <laughs> it just seems so cynical so to me. There's so many games <laughs> like that. It's ridiculous. Uh, Johnny, I've got one that everyone can appreciate, meaning both me and you. Oh, good. Uh, Michael Crichton's timeline for PC. So, okay. uh, Michael Crichton. <laughs> Are we, My- we're really talking about the, the game where the guy goes, uh, the, the book where he goes back to like Arthurian times. That, 100%. Like, or- that's exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> 
Um, All right, I'm here for you. I've read this book. It's not really a toy. It comes with a copy of the book, Johnny. Oh, that's um, cool. Michael Crichton, If uh, for those who don't know, uh, the writer of Jurassic Park. And if you don't know what that is, it's the book that came before Jurassic World 2. And... Uh, Correct, yeah. <laughs> so Michael Crichton designed this game. So he made a game... Uh, a game developer like it was called like timeline productions or something and they made one game michael crichton's timeline and it was apparently really bad because it turns out authors aren't good at game design weird Uh, and the main criticisms of the game were that uh so he wanted to make a game he wanted to make a uh like was it a point and click i don't remember if it was a point and click adventure game it was some kind of adventure game but he wanted it to be that anyone can beat it. I want it to be like a book so that people don't get stuck like these dumbass Sierra adventure games. Basically the the Kirby mentality of like, oh, everyone should be able to beat this. And his way of doing that was he included uh, a character in the game that gave you solutions to all the puzzles, even when you didn't ask for them. Even if they were like not on screen, they would just like give you the solution to puzzles. So everyone's like, why is this entire game a tutorial? It sounds exactly like Skyward Sword, but it's really cheap. It's like a $20, $30 game. You can even get them new old stock, and it comes with a copy of Timeline. So if you're a Michael Crichton fan, why not buy Timeline, Johnny? And I want to say Timeline came out in what, like around 2000? I think it was the mid-90s. Was it mid-90s? Yeah. I always associate this with Daikatana because they both deal with time and they both have a red box, but I'm probably the only one who does that. Huh. Maybe the film, because there was a movie version of this, too, that came out. Uh, was there? No, like, my, yeah, my, there was my a college movie. roommate is a big Timeline fan. He probably tried to get me to see that at some point. Oh, Timeline, 2003. 5.7 on IMDb, not the worst for a movie I've never heard of. No, I mean, definitely could be better. It's got Paul Walker starring in this movie. Yeah, Gerard uh, Butler. Yeah, so he, damn, this is like a pretty big cast for the timeline movie I've never heard of. I just want you to know the book came out in 1999. Yeah. Whoa. See, I, wait. All right. Was I, it? I, yeah. You're, you're better than me. All right. I get it. I get it. You're better than me. Well, I mean, I, I bought and read the book, so all right. Is I, it, I have, it's from 2000. So, okay. I uh, I have some reference frame of reference because, like I said, I I read it. All right. I never played the game though. Didn't even know there was a game. Uh, I've never seen anyone say anything good about this game. So, I, also, for all the listeners, I would just want you to know that Tyler is like, comic books don't count. Don't do comic books. And I was like, all right, Tyler, I agree. He's like, but books count. Like, this is literature, Johnny. This isn't some comic for children. And I'm like, okay, well, what about Carmen Sandiego? He's like, almanacs don't count. They're an exception. Oh, you need that to beat the game. Come on. I wouldn't let you do Carmen Sandiego. I wouldn't even have realized that you needed to beat the game. I've been like, oh, yeah, that is cool. That comes with it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Anyways, everyone knows Carmen Sandiego. And we just talked about it a bunch. We talked about it for longer than we did for uh, Power Rangers Samurai. So, do we ever uh, have we talked about Lord of the Rings on this show? I just wanted to bring it up because it also comes with the book. I don't know if we talked about it here or on an After Dark. Really quick Lord of the Rings Game One. Uh, I don't even remember. This came out in America under a different name, I think. But the first the first Lord of the Rings game, not the first Hobbit game, uh, comes with a copy of Fellowship of the Ring. And it's for like a bunch of different computers, uh, Spectrum, Commodore 64. Uh, and you can just go get it. It's not that expensive. It's probably like 50 bucks. Uh, but it's yep. cool because it's um, both a Lord of the Rings book collectible and a video game collectible. Yeah. Also, like change your search to worldwide and to, to find this. Oh, yeah. Just a friendly reminder. Uh, yeah, no, that, and that's really cool. They, they've they got, there's some really cool versions of that. Um, 
you know, and it's fun to see a book just in the middle of your game. You're like, what is this? Especially because they like made that packaging fit exactly. So there's no like wasted space there. It's more like a book that comes with a bonus game, like a cereal box, because 95% of what you're buying is the book. And then it's like, oh, there's a disc in here. too. Oh, no, but there's a letter in there from the Tolkien estate, which is my favorite part, which tells you that you were playing the most advanced video game of its time, like it, 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 there's this letter from the Tolkien estate that just totally goes into how great this fucking game is. It's amazing. I love it. Uh, if you haven't read the letter, check it out. I think they were really hyping up that text parser because it's a text adventure game. If we didn't mention yeah. that, but they're like, yeah, wow, you can write some sentences in here and the video game will understand them. Yeah. None of this open mailbox take letter. So it's uh it's cool it's i i have one myself and i found out i don't have a good copy so now i gotta go get another copy all right it's upsetting um okay what am i gonna talk about not carmen san diego i'm gonna talk about lunar hey have you guys ever heard of this game called lunar you know the one that they made seven different versions of on the sega cd don't worry about that one because we're going with lunar complete and that's the the silver star story on the ps1 and it only came in this way. It came in this, like, you'll see a lot of times, uh, like, a double disc, like, box just sitting out. But really, it came in this cool, like, cardboard box that was also a gatefold that came with a book inside. It came with a cloth map, which is excellent. And, uh, yeah, it's, there's also a bunch of disc art variants on this, so be careful. This game, it goes for, it's kind of expensive. Also, you'll see other games like Lunar 2 and, and Arc the Ark the Lad collection kind of are very similar to this because they're working design and working design games are already collectible. But uh, the cloth map is my favorite part. The little book is cool too, but um, also the disc art variants, 175 bucks ish, 150, 250, depending if you get like the, the fan disc art, like the last, the last version of the disc were the fan art discs. And those are the most desirable versions. I don't remember exactly how many disc variants there were for this, um, like I said, Sega CD had seven. Uh, what a nightmare. Uh, but PlayStation had less. So enjoy collecting for Lunar. I just have one copy. I don't care. Um, oh, I, I have seven of them for the Sega CD and only one on the PS1 because, uh, you know, I was trying to complete that set and turns out Lunar is expensive and working design games are expensive. So I didn't want to go down that hole. Johnny, I have a question for you. Sure thing. So I think um, besides, so there's that uh, super ugly doll. We've talked about it. It's creepy. I hate it. Yeah. Besides that, I think like Lunar for the PlayStation 1, like perfect collector bait nonsense. Um, it comes with like the substantial, it's got the double disc case. It comes with like this yeah, nice little right. hardcover book and then like the box and full of like fold. little tchotchkes. It's got a gatefold cover on it too. It's great. Yeah. Gatefold cover. Um, and then it, it all fits in this thing that's like maybe tw two or three times the size of a PlayStation game, like a double disc PlayStation game. So it's like a right. nice compact package. I think it's absolutely perfect. The like uh, Vic at Working Designs 100% gets it. Um, yeah. Like you want a collectible, but you don't want to like have to worry about where the hell you're going to put it. It fits along, like mostly fits along with your other games. Yes. Great. It, yeah. You can just put it on the shelf with your other PlayStation game. Yeah. I love it. Do you, and like everyone has looked to everyone, but you know, the past couple decades, people look back at the working designs games. They're like, oh, those were amazing. The, the really high quality releases for everything they put out. They're like kind of hand selected games. Most of the time we also got Albert Odyssey for some reason. We're not going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, are people in like 15 years going to look back at limited run games releases? Like we look back at working designs. Oh shit. Don't say that to me. Like, is that going to be weird? Because 
I feel like limited run games is inherently lower effort because they do have some boilerplate stuff that they do. They have the generic black box for a lot of their releases and they put out their games aren't as more hand picked stuff like working designs was. So maybe okay, this is a I'm bad gonna, analogy, but I think I'm going to tell you why is kind of, yeah, I'm going to tell you why it's not the same okay. um, one because lunar, because that team at working designs put in so much effort, like the foiling all, and all that, all those efforts for all the extra little things was a lot harder back then than it is today. And I think they also games did, did their work translating it. Yeah. So. They also made a pin, like a special pin you could buy for each game after like as an ad- additional thing you could go get, but they didn't throw it in with the game. They, they worked very hard and they didn't make that. what did they make? Like 15 games total, like 15 or 20, uh, you know, limited run did that like over a span of like three months. So, okay. It, yeah. I mean, but I mean, like, all right. So, ig- what if we ignore all the garbage Limited Run puts out and just do like their marquee releases, like the the Shantes and I don't know what else. The <laughs> East Origin? No, this is probably not. Golf one. it, golf it, right? Uh, it's not golf it. Uh, golf story. Golf is that story. really a, a popular one? That's that one of the ones I, don't I looked know if it's at, popular, and I was like, I it... need to have uh, the physical golf story release. Yeah, I mean, I just think. I mean, I think that's an interesting one. Not everything Limited Run does is garbage, and I, th- I think that's a fair point. Um, I-, I think there will be some of that, and everyone says we just, like, rip on Limited Run, but, like, I also buy some Limited Run stuff. Sometimes they put out something cool, uh, and then sometimes they just print, you know, uh, a repro of Star Wars on the Game Boy and put it in, like, a purple case, and that is horrible. <laughs> wow, Star uh, Wars, you're really uh, picking one of the more interesting Game Boy games they've released, Johnny. Not well, Metal I'm Masters. Just, I'm just saying, oh, well, Metal Masters is a very rare game. So that's like usually at the end of the Game Boy set, like one of the ones people are struggling to get. So that like has some intrigue for like deep collectors. If you couldn't complete your set or something, you have like, I, this is an obtainable copy, much like the Shantae's. But Star Wars, I say, because that's like a uh, super universal. And if, if Star Wars was going to get anyone, it was going to get me, right? Like, I'm a very big Star Wars fan. I have toys and junk and just so much Star Wars crap in my house. I can't go three feet without bumping into something Star Wars in my house. I wonder if that's true. Oh, it's very close to true. Maybe it's five feet, but it's close to true. Um, That was very, that was a really poor release. That was very boring and kind of gross. And that's like the, the epitome of the stuff limited run. I don't like, I think though, there are some good stuff and I think, some of these releases will be looked at that way. So to answer your question, I think some people uh, and some people already just love limited run. They just they yeah. love everything that they do um, and think that that's cool. We are coming from a different place. So I don't want to just like always shit on limited run. Like it just isn't for us, but it might be for a lot of other people. Yeah. And uh, um, I mean, especially if you're the person who's playing all of these random uh, indie games that they sometimes put out. And like a lot of like right now, I think a lot of what they have is pretty cool. Um they, I feel like, like they got it's a Blasmoog game, Blaze Blue. Um, yeah, Tokitorium Game Boy been... Color is weird, but that's like actually a good game. Yeah, I mean, also kind of rare too on on Game Boy Color, one of the more expensive games to to get. Their selection has been better lately. Like, look, I bought the Castlevania collection. Yeah, I, like Hell or High Water, you were going to keep me from that. Like, come on. I mean, there's uh, like Knights of the Old Republic, obviously a huge get for them, and then like Crisis One through Three on Switch. 
I'm saying this as definitely the biggest Crisis fan on this show. Like, what, what the? What, why would I want a limited version of Crisis on the least powerful platform of all things? Like, I'm sure Switch is good enough to run Crisis, but I'm not, I don't want to play Crisis on the Switch, let alone have this $40, $60 copy of Crisis 2. I don't need a $60 copy of Crisis 2 for the Switch. I look crisis crisis used to be a system tester. Remember, like you had to have a really good rig to run crisis. It was like, if you could turn up all the settings on crisis, you, you were just doing it like, Oh my God, you can run crisis full. Oh, wow. Now it's just like on the switch. It's like, Oh, interesting. You got like Gaiares on Genesis. Like they have like weird stuff that collectors would want. I just don't feel like, like everyone thinks that, uh, Working designs games are like the mark of quality, just like renovation on Genesis. And I'll argue against some of that because I do think there are some uh, mediocre titles in both of those sets. Uh, but, uh, Jennifer Capriati's Tennis? <laughs> I, I will talk to you about Arrow Flash and how bad that game is all day. Um, and so Limited Run Games definitely doesn't have that. I think they have the collector cachet, but they don't have the like every single game they put out is amazing cachet. I think there's like there's a spot in the modern market for that like boutique company. And it's definitely not any of the Limited Run Games ripoffs because they're just like, we can get a game and only make 999 copies. Let's let's do that. People will buy it. Uh, I think there's room in the market for someone like Limited Run Games. that's a little bit more curated. Um, um, what's that company that's kind of doing? I mean, not exactly, but they... Oh, God, they put, like, a sticker in every one of their Switch releases, like, when it's the first print. Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about Switch, uh, Johnny. Uh, oh, is it NIS? Like, NIS America? Yeah, NIS. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think. Well, is it NIS? Oh, it's not. I mean, but they only, they only no. put out their own games, right? No, no. Uh, this is, like, God, what is it? I'm trying to remember. It's going to come to me later. Um, yeah, I'll think Add of it later. This. Sorry, guys. Um, not great content. I wasn't expecting I put it to in the errata. Yeah. So anyways, but yeah, there's like a company. I agree though. There's like a little, there's a place for a boutique company that does this. Also like woodworking dot designs been more of like limited run. If it was as easy to publish games, you know, back then, like they were also working under a lot of different constraints. And I think they translated like all their own things. And like some people love yeah. it. Some people hate it because they have a very like different, that like their translations sometimes include like references and humor that clearly weren't present in the original game. Yeah. Well, I mean, and work, but that's the other thing, like working designs, limited run is just a publisher, right? Like they don't do that much work to the game. Like you said, working designs came in and translated full games. They did a lot of behind the scenes work. Like limited run doesn't really do so much work. They do some packaging work and distribution work, obviously. I'm not saying that they do nothing, but they, like, within the code of the game, I don't think they have to do anything. They yeah. just, like, package it up and send it out. Um, whereas working designs had more, like, had to be working within the game to get the game and then print the game and, like, get it out. Um, yeah, and then and also, I guess, constraints. like, limited run game, like, you would never see fucking Working Designs Crisis 3, because Working Designs has their brand of, like, we do very Japanese games, mostly, like, RPGs. And yeah, limited I mean, run I games think... definitely doesn't have that. Limited run games is very much, we'll do fucking whatever, as long as people will buy it. Uh, which is fine, because they do make, like, that's how you get a Castlevania collection, and you get, like, Shantae. Uh, those are both side-scrollers, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Anyway. I think uh, someone go start up a company and put out some boutique Japanese releases. And this is, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know people just love when we talk about, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're just like, we, we've had people just like rip us on reviews and everything. It's like, 
you know, and again, we come in as a point of view from collectors like, hey, if you are collecting to be a collector of actual vintage stuff, this is what you should buy. And so people get really mad when we're like, don't buy limited. And they're like, I hate them. I'm like, I like from a certain point of view. Yes. And from a certain point of view, no. Um, so anyways, uh, let's, let's move on from that. Johnny, you want, you want to talk about topple zip? I, I don't. Oh, woo. Retro game enthusiast is listening to this show. Like what? We're talking topple zip. Let's go. Yeah. He's ready. <laughs> uh, it's Nicalis. 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 They, they put the stickers in their first print of games. Okay. Good. Sorry. good. Stickers, right. man. What a collectible. Um, well, I mean, they just they just do a little thing. Like, it's... I know. They put a and little extra some... effort into their games. Dude, you know what? Games don't even come with manuals anymore. So, you know what? I'll take the effort. All right. Um, Sorry. Topplezip, Johnny. It's a shooter for the Famicom Disk System, PC-88, MSX, and FM7. You probably only care about the Famicom Disk System version. The reason this game is interesting, there's a couple reasons Topple Zip is interesting, but the most likely reason you'll be buying it is it comes in a big-ish box, I don't know, maybe the size of a, a double okay. DVD case, and it comes with a pullback toy that you like pull it back and it like scoots off like a little car. And there are variants of the toy. There's like five, six, maybe seven different variants. Well, I don't know. There's, there's, this toy has variants? So there's little ships in the game. It looks like twin B ships almost. They've got like this big okay. bulbous bubble design and there's little green and yellow toys and they have all different ship designs and you get a random one. And it's, this is fun for a lot of reasons, not the least of which, not the most common or not the most uncommon game to find a sealed copy of. Like you'll see sealed copies sell for five, uh, 50 to $100. But then you'll also see specific opened ones sell for more than a sealed one because someone is trying to get all the toys and they need a specific toy more than they need a brand new copy of the game, which I That's think is interesting. really interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. I, but I get that. I totally get that mentality. Like, I need I need this one to complete my thing. Please, please stop it. Yeah, exactly. Um Man, I would not. I would not be buying like five or six copies of Topple Zip to get all the toys. But that is certainly something you could do, and it would probably cost the same as like buying one copy of Monster in my pocket on NES. Uh, the the best the best version of a game that comes with a toy and should be on this episode. But we've already talked about it on Halloween. Yes, uh, and the reason I don't know how many toys exactly there are is uh, so there's the Famicom version, and then there's the three computer versions. And I know there's at least five or six Famicom toys, but then I know there's also computer-exclusive toys. So the MSX version has a white toy that does not come in any of the Famicom Disk System versions. So, so there's an exclusive toy. A mess. Like, I don't even know if there's exclusive PC-88 or FM-7 toys. Man. Uh, I don't... You probably don't even want that many copies of Topple Zip. Like, if you go play it... Uh, so... My standards for what a bad shooter is have, I feel like they have lowered over the year. Like how bad a shooter can be has lowered just because I've played more games from like the early, early eighties. The recent one I played was the uh, super cassette vision dragon ball game, Johnny. It's Ugh. fucking awful. So I, I might've said that topple zip is a bad, like a really bad shooter before playing that. Now I think about it. I'm like, Topple Zip's a lot better than that Super Cassette Vision Dragon Ball game. So I have no idea how good this game is anymore. Uh, not, definitely not as good as Twin B or other cute shoot-em-ups. But, uh, 
I don't know. It's like you could get one for like maybe 50 bucks. So you can get a cool wind up toy. Why not? Okay. Another maybe, fun fact, Johnny, I will. the computer versions of the game come with a dongle. It's a hardware security dongle that you have to have plugged into the game or the game won't run, which uh, already this game comes in a big box and they're giving you like more shit. So it feels more substantial. But at the same time, you're like, like maybe what's like a giant gigantic game that that people would not want pirated i don't even legend of zelda Zelda, something like that (laughs) zelda like you could be like okay like we don't want people copying discs of legend of zelda and this hardware dongle somehow prevents it but fucking topples it this is the first game to ever come with a a physical hardware security device at least in japan and it's for topples it they they were really proud of what they made i guess maybe topples it was very popular there so does having a lot of new old stock available imply how popular it was or how unpopular it was? I don't know. Um, is this a trick question? I know, right? Uh, there, it signifies how popular it was because they made that many of them. Just they just kept making it for so long that event. Uh, yeah, no, it's probably yeah. Uh, so the security dongles uh, have serial numbers on them, like fucking nuts. Who's putting se- serial numbers on security dongles? Uh, they have five digits, and the couple I looked at both had four-digit serials, Johnny. So doesn't seem like the most popular game, at least for the computer versions. Okay, I'm I'm going with you on that one. All right, we're done talking about topples. If I will stop subjecting you to this. No, I. <laughs> I'm going to go. I haven't seen it, so now I want to go look at what it is. I did not know about this game, so I'm interested. I All want right. to know what these little cute fighters are. I might want to Pretty own cute. one. Yeah, you know, I do love oh, a cute yeah. up. <laughs> when I think of you, Johnny, it's restraint and not needing to complete sets. So, yeah, yeah. No, I, it would probably be a mistake for me to buy that because then I would be like, maybe I need the rest. My brain doesn't work like that ever. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, I'm going to talk to you about a really just I'm I'm going to I'll give you my weird Japanese one that I did for the show. Oh. Um all right. Sword of Mana. You guys have heard of Sword of Mana? You you might have heard it as like Final Fantasy Legend back in the day, but on the GBA they re-released it because that was actually a mana game. Uh Saiken Datsu or however Saiken Datsu. Thank you. What? Yeah. Um so this is Sword of Mana. And was released on the GBA. And it was like pretty popular. And you know came with a guide. Or not didn't come with a guide. But there was a guide for it that I have. Really cool. But what about in Japan? What happened in Japan that made this game even cooler? Guys. It came with a little figure set. So they made this deluxe pack. And it came with three toys. And uh, some other stuff. But uh, it's kind of expensive. You, You know it ranges from like 200 to 300 ish dollars but it came with uh you know little plant little leaf uh i forget the little bunny looking mana thing that's yellow um that you see all over the literature it came in a big box also comes with the game and like a little calendar some other stuff um pretty cool version though like in japan they always like threw little extra stuff in there um gba you start to see more of like these weird inclusions a game we've talked about on the show is like um like Macross, uh, the Robotech game um, for the GBA, which came with a little Macross figure. That's a little bonus one. But you start to, you know, with NES and stuff, and, you know, even before, like, 64, games with any, like, of these extra pack-ins that just doodads that came with it were pretty sparse or were necessary to 
to complete the game. Once you start to hit GBA, DS especially, you start to get just a lot of extra garbage um, that comes with the game just to uh, just to help sell the game. So, anyways, everyone loves a mana game, so that's one. If you are a hardcore mana uh, collector, you probably already know. But if you're a casual fan like myself, I thought that was a neat one to include for you. Ooh. I, uh... Yeah. Yeah. It's not Second Densetsu Three. It's some spin-off Second Densetsu game. I don't know anything about what sort of mana is. These... Yeah, you did. You, it was originally like uh, put out on the Game Boy uh, under a Final Fantasy Legend title, I believe, and uh, it wasn't a Final Fantasy Legend. And then they republished it as. Uh, so that's the one that. So there's three saga games, and then the one. So hold on. Wait, is that so? The Final am Fantasy I, Adventures. It? Final, Fan- maybe it's oh, Final Fantasy Legends are the saga games. Is Final Fantasy Adventure a Second Densetsu spin-off game? I think that's right. Now I have to like double check. God, stop naming things that, that aren't correct. I mean, I'm saying stop. This is all shit that happened 30 years ago. But still. <laughs> yeah. Why? Yes. Yeah. Well, because Final Fantasy sold like Final Fantasy was a known series that they could change the name to and they knew it would sell. Um, and if they just brought over a mana game, it wasn't going to do as well. Johnny, this is fucking, this is bullshit. So, okay, <laughs> this is, it's not. Final Fantasy Adventure is not the same as Sword of Mana, Johnny. Final Fantasy Adventure, known in Japan as Saiken Densetsu Final Fantasy Gaiden, or simply Saiken Densetsu, which there's also a game for like the PC-88 called Saiken Densetsu in 1983, completely unrelated, released in Europe as Mystic Quest Fuck, and it's the first game in the Mana series. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, now just, uh, now I, yeah, I got all that wrong. So, um, I guess I could have just Wikipedia that instead of trying to memorize it. Uh, uh yeah. <laughs> just go ahead and delete everything I said and leave that. Cool. Um, great. Oh, wait, it's sort of matter a remake, maybe? Oh, it's a remake of the yes. uh, of Final Fantasy. Yeah, oh, it's, man. I thought it was Final Fantasy Adventure. Yeah, it's Final right. Fantasy Adventure because the, the okay, legend yeah. ones are saga games, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not like crazy. You made me feel like I was like, it wasn't. A Game Boy game. You're like, no, it's Mystic Quest. I'm like, uh... No, it was released in Europe as Mystic Quest. So oh, it's Final yeah. Fantasy Mystic Quest called in Europe. I'm looking this up now. And Final F- Mystic Quest in Europe is just called Mystic Quest. It does not have the Final Fantasy label, and it comes in like a green box. It's Mystic Quest Legend in PAL regions. What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, well, and then the Super Nintendo version of Mystic Quest... Is just Mystic Quest, not Final Fantasy Mystic yeah, Quest. It, like that's it what is I'm talking here. about. It's just yeah. Mystic Quest Legend, and it's not a yeah. Final Fantasy game. Well, <laughs> I kind of want yep. this now. This is so crazy. All the Final, like they just because there was no Final Fantasy Game Boy games, and they just wanted to capitalize on the popularity of Final Fantasy. So they're just like, "What can we do? We got these. Throw them out there." Um, you know, their their branding is going to pay off, though. I, I don't know, like, the, the sealed market on on all these, like, weird, like, not really Final Fantasy games, but people will pay probably tens of thousands of dollars for them because they say Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy. I mean, people are fighting over the Sunsoft version versus the Square version, so, sure. Sunsoft version of all those games is garbage. As someone uh, who doesn't have all the Square versions and needs to upgrade my copies. I can't remember which version I settled on and now like I have to go back and check and I'm sure I have mixed versions and I just I don't want to look because I know I'm just gonna have to go spend money the minute I look yeah and then like I also feel bad because it's like I probably spent like 60 or 70 dollars on on some of my copies it's like ah spent 70 dollars on the bad version of Final Fantasy Legend 2 
I'm an idiot. And now it's probably like $120 or something. Well, and back, see, so back in like 2005, 2006, when I was like grabbing these, because that's how long ago I got these, because I was always grabbing Final Fantasy stuff. Um, like I would be, I'd be getting lots and I have doubles and I'm like, I don't care about this. It's a double. And I like, no, I was not looking. I was just like grabbing whatever were the nicer parts. So I'm sure like parts are mixed up. I'm sure I sold like Sunsoft copies off or squares. I just, I know I really messed up, uh, yep. back in 2006. So, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. Lessons learned. Uh, the oh. best reason to collect sealed games, all those sealed people are like, oh, it's the condition. Oh, the shrink rep matters. No, it's just that, like, you know, all the shit just is correct. <laughs> yep. Just not having to think about that ever. Um, okay. All right, Johnny. I'm going on to my next game. Please do. Eight Ball Deluxe. You're not getting out of this episode without me talking about Pinball. Eight Ball Deluxe, the game developed by Amtex for DOS in sometime in the mid '90s. They didn't write it down. Uh, this game, it's a big box PC game, and it comes with a pinball flipper and a pinball. And I didn't have this as a kid. If I had this as a kid, I would have thought that was the coolest feely shit ever. I'm like, where do you even get this? Wow, a pinball flipper and a real pinball. If they had like little like 25 cent like quarter machines that distributed pinballs, 100% would have bought one of those as a kid. Uh, now, as a pinball enthusiast, they're just like garbage spare parts. Like I throw out pinballs every year because it's like, oh, this is a used pinball. This is trash. Let me go put another dollar pinball into my game. But I guess it is. It's cool that it came with pinball feelies in a time where I would have thought that getting those required like some special hookup because you can't go to the store and get spare pinball parts. And Eight Ball Deluxe is an excellent game, Johnny. Are we going into it? Eight Ball Deluxe, a Bally game from 1986, maybe? Um, Woo! If you're playing these modern-ass Stern games, if you're going to, to your local arcade and you're playing fucking Aerosmith or Deadpool or whatever, whatever Stern games are out, and you shoot every ramp and every shot and the ball returns to your flippers, fuck your stupid game, your multi-balls, you can play it for like 35 minutes. Eight Ball Deluxe. There's a line of targets going down the right side of the game and you have to shoot down all the ball targets and then shoot the eight ball. And then every time you shoot the target, you can shoot the targets from either your left flipper or there's an upper left flipper which shoots it all the way across the machine. And every time you shoot one of those targets, your ball is out of control and you gotta save it. This game is hard as hell, it's not that hard. But man, if your games are not putting that ball out of control, your pinball is not hard enough. Play some real pinball, play eight ball deluxe. Uh, or not, or just go play something you like. <clears throat> play some real pinball. Yeah, yeah people One don't of the best necessarily games ever. Yeah, people don't necessarily just play pinball because it's hard. Oh, in fact, I think like a bonus that carries over from ball to ball. Oh, it's like the best tournament game. It's so exciting. Tyler, you go on if you play Deadpool with like uh, someone who's really good at pinball, and like you're just gonna get demolished. Because a good pinball player can play games like that why forever, would you, Johnny. Why would, why would you be going up? Not everyone wants to play pinball in a con competitive environment. Ugh. Some people just want to go throw their dollar and go like, damn, went right down the center. I suck at pinball and move on. But I sure <laughs> like Ninja Turtles. Like, this. like come I on. That's, I see people do that at the arcade. It boggles my mind. They will just plunge three balls, like lose it in like literally less than 10 seconds a ball and be like, wow, but I like the walking dead. So that was cool. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> crazy. That's normal shit. people. That's normal people stuff, man. Normal people stuff. Uh, 
You fucking wackadoo. But I did like thinking about you going from ball to ball. So that's a thing. What are you talking about from ball to ball? You said you carry a bonus from ball to ball. And I just liked hearing you say from ball to ball. All right. Our listeners get it. They understand. (laughs) Tyler going Uh, from ball to ball. You know what I'm saying? This game's like 20 bucks, Johnny. Um, A lot of them are missing like the components, like they're missing the flipper or they're missing the ball or they're missing both. But this game's not rare. Just go get one. Okay. Just go get one or don't because it's a video pinball game and it'll never be worth anything. And the only reason to collect things is for value anymore. So that's true. You should only <laughs> buy it if it's super expensive or has the possibility to be considered an investment grade property. Uh, eight ball deluxe, probably an investment grade pinball machine these days with the pinball prices I've seen. Yeah. Can you, can you please tell me what the population of that game is? Uh, it's eight to 9,000. I got that off the top of my head, bitch. You think I don't know pinball production numbers? (laughs) I mean, that's one of the advantages of pinball. You can find out production numbers. Uh, Yeah, a lot of the the more popular ones, you have exact down to the single digit. Pretty cool. Uh, Pinside says 8-Ball Deluxe is worth around $2,500 to $3,000, probably more, just because how high pinball prices are. Uh, 8,250 produced, Johnny. And uh, go buy it. Oh, man. Valley pinball machines in the 80s. Worth it. So I should go buy it. Yes. 1981. Oh, I said it was the mid 80s. So I was wrong about something. I'm not a pinball encyclopedia. Huh. Are you sure? Okay. So Johnny, so the original game came out and it's just a, okay. it's a Bally pinball machine. It's got the big boxy uh, back glass. Then they released eight ball deluxe limited edition where they squished the back glass into about two thirds the height and put like a scoreboard in between the back glass and the game. And it looks like garbage. I'm pretty sure the aspect ratio for the actual art is incorrect, too. I might be misremembering that. But don't buy the 8-Ball Deluxe Limited Edition. You got to get an original 8-Ball Deluxe. An original? You need an original. You don't want that limited edition. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. I, all right. I'm going to take your word for it. I, if it's really nice, I would pay up to like $3,500 for it. I think that's it's probably worth it. You would. That's a lot to pay for it. I mean, I pay, I pay up for nicer pinball machines, Johnny. It's worth it. You don't want to. You don't want a beater. It's a beautiful. Why not? Game. You want it. You're going to keep it for a decade because you're going to love it so much, or the rest of your life. Who knows? Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe. I I've got my Batman one. It's not going anywhere. There you go. So get a good game now to go next to it. Nope. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. That's rude. <laughs> well, Batman is not a great game, but it looks awesome. It uh, looks. It's a beautiful looking game. It has wonderful back glass. It's uh, a nice, a nice adornment to my wife's, uh, my wife's area of the house, because it lives in her space. How rude! They keep it there. Um, you know, she she wanted it in there because she thought it looked good. So, my wife's crazy lady, but we did it. All right. Um, I'm gonna tell you about a game. Are you ready? I'm ready. How ready are you? A little ready, and by <laughs> I don't that, know how to if respond. you're a little ready, that's great because I'm talking about something small, micro machines. Whoa, whoa! Have you heard of micro machines before? Yeah, for the Aladdin uh, on NES. Yep, that's the one. Um, <laughs> but also uh, the '64 game Turbo. It's Micro Machines Turbo '64. For the um, Commodore 64, it requires like yeah. a turbo cartridge to load it? Yep, uh, for the Nintendo 64. Anyways, so there's a version of this game that comes just as is. This is not a special edition of the game, 
but I think it's just the first print. It came packed with a little micro machine in it. And okay, so here are some deets on that. I think there's like eight different cars that it could come with. Uh, don't quote me on that because that might be wrong. Um, but it does come with different cars that can go in there. The cart tray is specific. So the cardboard insert is specific to micro machines because it is designed to hold the little micro machine. On the front of the box, there is a little window cut out at the top of the box to display which micro machine you got in there. Okay, so like look for these things. Like I said, several different cars. Uh, Nintendo 64 collectors are crazy, so they usually pay big money for it. You can usually find the box only of this for like pretty cheap, like 50 bucks or whatever. And sometimes you can find it without the micro machine in the box and then the wrong insert tray. But you're going to want to just pay for the right insert tray. Like just... You're not going to find, like, they haven't made reproductions of this. You don't want to, like, have to cut it out yourself. Though you very easily could because it's just taking that same tray you have, cutting two slits, and then folding it down. Um, you could make it work if you wanted to, but that's not what my advice is. Go find this game. If it doesn't have the micro machine, but it has all the other parts, pick it up, especially if it's at a discount. Okay? That's still a thing to do. Go find that. All right? You got it? Micro machine, 64. Pretty collectible. Can run you anywhere from a $50 for a box to $200 without the micro machine to like, I've seen them go for as high as like $400. Just be careful on this game. It, it's, uh, you know, people do construct this game like out of pieces, like do try and look and find out which the right micro machines are. Uh, sealed ones go pretty expensive. There was just one that sold for over $400. There was one in November that sold for $700, which I thought was crazy because it had like all the baggies. It was super nice condition, um, you know, except I thought it looked a little faded. But uh, yeah, go find those micro machines. The last thing to know about the micro machine is there's a little clip, right? There's a little clip that goes under the car that holds it in the box so it doesn't just rattle around. Oh, man, that thing has got to be gone in every single copy. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm sure even if you kept everything else, you might have like pulled that thing out and just tossed the clip somewhere and yeah. and forgot about it. Wow. Um I so, bet Jumbone's Bones got eight of those clips, Johnny. Jumbone's probably I'm got sure suit, he's right? probably selling he those clips for like three hundred dollars. <laughs> um so anyways, keep an eye out for that. And uh like I said, yeah, it the it goes all over and I'm sure people buy it for the different cars. I don't think the cars are unique to the game though. So those were probably just in micro machines uh packs of the day. So check that out. Anyways, Micro Machine comes with a fun toy. Back in the day, everyone loved Micro Machines because I got Jack really fast like this in all the commercials. And, um, you know, people loved him. And now he's, who knows? I think he passed away because <laughs> he was old. And now, and I was young when he was old and now I'm old. So yikes. So Johnny, uh, there are a bunch of oldish games that come with just some junk, you know, from Infocom feelies up to stupid shit like Eight Ball Deluxe, uh, Topple Zip, whatever. There's like they're like fifty dollar games ish, and then you get into like the modern era. Once you get into like the two thousands, everything's limited edition. Everything comes with a box of junk, and everyone saved all of it. Yep. Um, and then so like there's like Game Boy Advance games. A lot of them are kind of rare. They come with like some junk and like the collectors know about it and there's usually a premium for it, but it's not too crazy. And then N64, besides like there's some big box games that come with accessories like rumble packs, expansion packs, not talking about that. 
all the junk on N64 that comes with like a toy or something is fucking insane. Like, because there wasn't, well, there wasn't very much. It wasn't as common. I know right? it you, wasn't common, but like, you know, Gauntlet Legends and Rampage World Tour and uh, Micro Machines and Tarzan, like all the stuff on N64 that comes with cool shit that's not like the Rumble Pack or anything is, is super collectible compared super to almost collect- any other console. And it also wasn't called limited editions like usually, right? So it just like came out. And then people went back, you know, it just like existed at the time. So if you didn't have it, you didn't buy it then. And like, it, they could have been store exclusives and stuff. Like no one really knew or was paying attention. And now all these people are older and they go back and look for it. And you just like, what is all this stuff? Uh, where do I even find it? And like I said, it's not listed as like really special edition. So you just had to go search. What a pain in the ass. Like, and it's just the knowledge was not there. Micro machines think, are tough, man. You think there's like, a single micro machine? I bet there's one. One guy who went around and bought like eight sealed copies of micro machines back in the day, and they're like, ah, it's for my micro well, machine collection. Micro machines were very collectible back yeah. in the day. So, um, yeah, I, I also think that this was a North American exclusive. Um, so that's like a thing. I, I think the PAL version came with like something called the Vibra Pack. So I think that's like the Rumble Pack, but I haven't actually seen it packed in. Um, but that's an accessory. So like, again, if you were big into micro machines, imagine that you had to like deal with just American bullshit to get it. But I don't, like I said, I don't think these were exclusive. Um, so they could probably just go buy packs and find the cars. Oh, so it's not like monster in my pocket, which had an exclusive. I, I don't, I don't think so, but don't quote me on that. Cause I I'm don't know for sure. You just said Mo- it. Monster in my pocket. One is like a collectible toy line anyways. And then you have this stupid exclusive figure in series one of it. Like what a nightmare for a collector. <laughs> and then they've, then they're like, here's four different colors. It's as exclusive Blemier or whatever it's called. And you're like, damn it. This is the worst. Why did you do this to me? You, you know that that was just like, like an, um, like a, off the cuff decision by some guy like, oh yeah, we could we can make four different colors because we're the monster in my pocket factory. We could do whatever we want. And it would cause like, you know, a hundred people to obsess about it twenty-five years later. Like, oh my God, I gotta get my four blemies. Uh, well I think like back in the day, I think that was part of Monster in My Pockets thing. Like they did different colors of all their stuff. But so like, I think they were doing four different colors all the time. Okay. I, I mean that makes sense. Um, but like, was anyone in back in the day, like trying to get the four blemies, like that you would have to buy a new copy of the game to get, I mean, maybe I, 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 don't, I don't know what the world of collecting was like before the internet. Collecting was different. Like collecting was different in the eighties. People were still picking up stamps and books. Yeah. But like one, how did you learn that this existed and there were four variants of it? And two, where did you go to like get this besides like the schoolyard or something? Like, could you meet up at your comic store and be like, does anyone have monster in my pocket? I will trade you. What's an, I don't even know. There's no magic cards to trade. I'll trade you garbage pail kids for your purple blemier. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, garbage pail kids, super collectible still. For some reason, Sean from Reserved Investments is bearish on garbage pail, garbage pail kids. By man, way. that like garbage pail kids were collectible when I was a kid. I knew about that series one. God, what's his name? Uh, you know the image on the pack with the nuclear explosion. Uh, out yeah, of I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. Like that was like an expensive card that was in the news. Like Cabbage Patch and Garbage Pail Kids were in the news. I like I remember seeing it. Uh, I remember buying Garbage Pail Kids and like trying to find them because they were collectible and like worth money. So like as a kid, I was like, man, if I can find these, these are worth money. 
which was wrong and stupid because um, I'd already if, if I'm hearing about it and my parents know about it, we've missed the boat even back then. I don't get it. Garbage pale kids are disgusting. I would not want to own any of them. It's just I can't I wait get magic to cards like old magic cards. They have like a look to them like, oh, my God. Cards only looked like this for like two years of magic history. Half these cards are fucking broken. This is amazing. This art is like, oh my god, cards don't look like this anymore. Garbage pill kids are just the worst. So one, I think you're wrong. Um, I what? Think well, I don't want a baby puking on itself. Like, wow, look at this. Baby I mean, it was like a take. It was a send up of Cabbage Patch Kids. It was a response to Cabbage Patch Mania. Great. So there's a, a thing that's parodying a thing that's also irrelevant now. That, yeah. So I should. So you this. can get like uh, you can. Well, I'm gonna send you some garbage pail kids uh, for you. I'm gonna send you like a tinkling Tyler. And uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want. I don't want a baby peeing as like a collectible. That just is gross. <laughs> How about tired Tyler? Oh my god. No, this is no? the word. I I hate it. Don't you send me it? garbage pail kids. All right. Um, yeah, I was not like, I didn't stay on Garbage Pail Kids too long. There was, and then there was a bunch of like takeoffs of like Garbage Pail Kids, uh, where there was like weird sports card ones, it, it, you know, it was, they were supposed to be gross. Remember Garbage Pail Kids got a movie, but did Garbage Pail Kids get a computer game at least? I bet there was software to like track your Garbage Pail Kids collection. Like the, I mean, there's got to be something because I think Garbage Pail Kids had to be well, like like there's a there's an iOS game. There's a a collectible card game that came out. No, I mean like an actual like the, like there's there a computer no, collectible card game. I mean, we're talking about Atom Bomb, by the way, is the name of the. Thank you. Um, it looks like all the video games are new for like the the recent resurgence of Garbage Pail Kids by fucking weirdo '80s nostalgic people. So think about how popular Garbage Pail Kids was. Got a movie. Somehow didn't even get like a, a game from like Domark or something on the spectrum. Maybe it was too American. Um, probably. Yeah. No. No. That, good. You know what? There's no video game of Garbage Pail Kids. The like a, a vintage video game. Good. <laughs> yeah. So like they tried to make it a movie, and look how that turned out. What would the video game be? I. I don't know, but you like every 80s property got a game, right? Every movie got like games like Rambo has a game, you know, Airwolf has a game. Garbage Pail Kids doesn't have a game. I so <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. I'm like looking at Google Images like I am repulsed by the idea of Garbage Pail Kids. And then the movie, which like something I've heard I haven't seen. I've watched like Internet reviews of it. But like, you know, one of the worst movies of all time, quote unquote. But I look at it and just like look the look of the movie, I'm completely repulsed. So I think like in a way, the movie makers did exactly what they wanted to. They made a movie that I, an adult, am disgusted by. And some kid would be like, haha, this looks so disgusting. I love it. Look at these weird puppet things. You're like, yeah, sure, I love like weird torture porn movies, but garbage pell kids are repulsive. Yes. Exactly. You wackadoo. I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're repulsive. But man, Hostel Two kind of underrated. <laughs> All right, okay. Is that Anyways. the one? I think a guy gets his dick cut off and throws it at someone at the end of Hostel Two. That's 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 art, Johnny. Sure, I agree. 
It should be protected. Um, all right. What, what's your next game now that we've gone off on this? I got nothing. Tandem? That's it. We're, I'm done. Your eight ball deluxe topple zip. You're done. I talked about did I? Yeah, did, that's four. So that's four each. We did it. We, we <laughs> sure. talked about eight games. Eight is a holiday number because uh, eight crazy nights, right? Hey, Whoa. eight days of lights. Hey, we did it. Eight is a good holiday number. Is Hanukkah over? I think Hanukkah is over now. It is over. Happy uh, Hanukkah it, it, to the uh, people who celebrated, though. I th- did it end on the sixth? I think it ended on the sixth. So, um, um, yeah, yes. Anyways, there, there we go. Um, people, uh, people. I hope you enjoyed this uh, wacky Christmas episode with games that gave you presents when you bought them. Woo! Which is our tagline. Well, my son is like completely over it, and he is like, "Gotta go take a nap." And I can just hear him screaming. So sorry that you're gonna have to edit that, Tyler. What, uh, shall we move on to oh. collector's questions? <laughs> I was, I literally brought up the part after collector's questions. All right, let me go to our Discord, collector's quest slash Discord slash Patreon.com slash you can give us money, but you really don't have to. Um, collect, ask the podcast. All right, let's scroll up here. This, I, I want our listeners to know that this was a segment that Tyler made. That this was his idea. He always forgets it. He says he loves it. Put it in there. Made it a Patreon exclusive. This is all his work. And now, uh, it's always like, oh man, what is that thing? And he's never prepared for it. It's it's so weird. Because Tyler is generally prepared for things. Uh, okay, so we got more questions from Retro Game Enthusiast's mom here. Uh, we're back okay. in September. We're, we're really falling behind on questions here. Um, all right, we're meeting our our new to collecting me with our modern self. And uh, what advice would you give that you don't think that they would take? That's a really good. Th- so yeah, when you look at like collecting YouTube, a lot of it is do as I say, not as I do. I think. Um, so we can talk about what, ad- what advice would you give new to collecting you that they wouldn't take. Hmm. So the premise is. Uh, I'm a new version of myself is starting to collecting and I'm supposed to tell them some advice that they won't listen to. I think we have to put it in the context of like mid two thousands us, because I think I would be more likely to say like, if I told myself to collect nicer condition stuff in 2021, I might be more likely to take that. But in like 2005, I'd be like, I fuck that. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like I would just tell myself, I would just tell myself, Buy every Super Nintendo game. Just buy the nice version. Stop it. Buy a complete box. Don't be dicking around thinking like, oh, well, I can save $20 if I just do it this way. Just don't do that. Just go buy it complete. Buy it complete in box. Buy the most complete version you can. Uh, advice I still have to like talk myself into sometimes. Just do that. Don't, don't fuck around. Yeah, that one that's got the registration card. Do you really care? I guess it's like only $12 more for the... Yes, just spend the money. Just do it. <laughs> yeah, don't... It it doesn't matter. It will bother you for like the rest of time. Every time you look at that game and it's missing that registration card. Oh, and it'll just... be like dragging the Bruce Lee story. It'll be like something you don't care about, but you'll know you're missing that registration card. I, I can tell you, I've like champion soccer um, for the, uh, what's it called? For the Super Nintendo, right? Sitting there. Side, it, it, I, I turn my boxes the wrong way to indicate that it needs a manual or, or something, right? 
and I'm just looking at it and I know it needs its stupid manual and it's only like a $5 manual and it's like, I should have already done it, but I don't think about it until I accidentally stumble upon it. And then I'm bothered. And then like, but if I'm not right by my computer or if I don't have time to go do it, which I never do, and I'm never thinking about that game. So I, I always run into this like loop of like, every time I see it, just being annoyed that I don't have the manual. So, uh, yeah, that's what I would tell myself. I would, I would plead with myself. I would say it's fine to have less things. It's, it's fine. Don't worry about, don't buy Sega Pico. It's going to be fine. Focus on those Super Nintendo games. I think I would be able to convince myself to focus more because I was really buying everything. I would go to Big Lots and Big Lots every time I went there. They would have a section of three to six dollar small box computer games and I was buying like groceries in college and stuff, but like I'd go to the thing and I'd be like, wow, Darwinia on PC is only $6. Better get a copy of Darwinia. Maybe I could convince myself to not buy that stupid shit. Um, I don't think I'd be able to convince myself to like collect complete and box NES though, or something like that. Because uh, like I was obviously on a limited budget being in high school and college um, and having more games. Like I know, I know there's this quality over quali- quantity argument, but, uh, you know, when you're new to collecting and you don't have quantity, it feels so good. Oh my, like you look at everything and you're like, how could I not own Contra and Super C and all the Zelda games and all the Mario games and, and Star Tropics and just like all like the popular stuff. You're like, oh my God, on NES alone, I need like 200 games. And then like, oh my God, on Sega Genesis alone, I need like a hundred games. Uh, so I felt like to get that base of like, I need all the amazing games first. And I wasn't, I wasn't even going after like, like the Mario and Zelda's mainly. Um, I was trying to probably get like the more uncommon stuff. Like, wow, I got a, a romance of the three kingdoms two on NES. Holy shit. But yeah, man, that quantity when you're starting out because you get into game collecting and even in like the mid two thousands, you go on uh, digital press and like, you see these people fucking amazing. Like Atari collections, like walls, wall to wall like what is going on and well and then like the magazines had their like room of doom or what was that yeah like, the, that? like the, you go look at the rooms of doom it's like yeah. what is I, I have got like a, a small shelf of nintendo cartridges and they have like an entire house full of games uh you're like man i really feel like a peasant man, how do if, i get on that level if i had a job with a sal like they they had it made dude they had jobs with salaries and they were collecting like atari and computer and nes games in the 2000s when they were like almost worthless compared to what they are now like yeah i would have had a room like that no problem now we're collecting like whatever nintendo games like oh gotta gotta budget 150 dollars for this complete box nintendo game i want yeah uh, but yeah, the the quantity over quality, and I like I still probably wouldn't take it. And I think a lot of like uh, collecting YouTube channels kind of make that argument. They're like, definitely get the good stuff. Don't just load up on the cheap stuff because you want to have a lot of stuff. And like, even if you started collecting again, you wouldn't do that. People like having a lot of stuff. It's one I of the mean, fun we, parts of collecting. We tell people, we tell people that, and we still mess it up. We tell ourselves that we still mess. Like it up. I know, even if I I don't even I wouldn't even give that advice because I know. Uh, if you're like 100% brand new to collecting, you want to have all like this good stuff that's cheap. And it if you can get it for, you know, a fourth of the price by buying carts instead of, of complete, you're going to do it because you can get more of that good stuff. Um, but like the manual thing, like I'll fight to the death. Like, yes, just get 100%. Com- if you're buying it complete in box, don't go for the copy without a manual. No matter how it could be like a dollar more than cart only. Just get it complete in box if you're going to get it complete in box. 
All right. Agreed. Um, yeah. Mistakes were made. Uh, sincere question for the crew. This is from Tiger Wolf. Have there been any episodes on collector etiquette? This sounds more like an episode recommendation. Tiger Wolf, I'm going to move this to the episode recommendation thing. Um, there, there was uh, not an episode, but there's an old blog post on collector etiquette. etiquette and I think back in the Cat and I days, uh, there was an etiquette episode, but they were old, old. Um, yeah, I think we should just make this an episode. I'm going to, I'm going to put that in the episode doc. Sure. Kyle collects. You just found out you lost a game. You can't find it anywhere. Even though, you know, you didn't get rid of it. How long do you wait before you just buy another one, Johnny? Hmm. A while. Sometimes years. This happened to me with blaster master boy on game boy. And the day I couldn't find it, I just bought another one. (laughs) And it was like Just a 30 day. or $40 cartridge. Uh, not even one day, like same day. Cause all my, uh, I keep all my Game Boy cartridges together. I know like my shit's a mess a lot, but I know all my Game Boy cartridges are with all the Game Boy cartridges. Cause they're so small and easy to keep together. And I wanted to play Blaster Master Boy and I couldn't find it. And I'm like, I, I know it's in my house, but I can't deal with the fact that my Game Boy set is incomplete right now. I'm buying a copy of Blaster Master Boy. Yeah, I mean, it also depends on the value of the game. Like, I don't like money does matter. So, uh, if it was like a ten dollar game or twenty dollar game, I'd probably just like replace it instantly. Um, but if it was like a hundred dollar, like the value of the game, also um, how much searching I'm I'm willing to go do, like increases. Like if it's a ten dollar cart or something, like if it was just like a random shitty sports Genesis cart, I would just buy it, and because four dollars wouldn't be worth my my time and effort to dig around and like look through like a box that it might be out in the garage. Uh, Johnny, um, yes, I agree with that. I also want to uh, give a, a nice price update to our listeners here. In November twenty twenty, a complete in box Blaster Master Boy sold for six hundred and five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blaster Master Boy is a game I've been trying to buy for a long time, oh, and it's always just super Jesus. Expensive. All right. Oh, we want to do one more. Are we going to call it here? Uh, do one more, since we're so behind. Sam M. says, questions. Should signatures on cartridges, boxes, or shrink wrap be valued more highly in the market? If so, whose signatures? Uh, whose signatures? Finally, is it ethical to have someone sign a rare or high-condition game? Um, well, I, I don't, let me tackle the ethics one first and see if you agree with this. I don't think it's, I don't think that's a question of ethics. Um, if you want to, it's yours. Like if you want it signed, then go do it. Like it, it, it's, you know, you're not preserving these for a museum. If it was like the one of one, should it be damaged? Also permanent marker can be removed from most things. Like it's to me, that's like a, whatever question, like whatever you by that i mean like whatever you want to do i don't i don't think it's question of ethics yeah i mean i agree with that so let me let me send you something that uh i just sent to eric excite bite comics and games johnny this is a 9.8 condition copy of teenage mutant ninja turtles one that i saw on uh, probably in some email i got from some auction site it is fucking demolished literally 80 percent of the cover is covered uh with uh, signatures and sketches from the the TMNT creators Eastman and Laird. Um, it's like it's it would be worthless to me. I don't care that it's original art. Like you have completely defaced the most collectible Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing, or you know maybe one of the most collectible Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing. Uh, I, mean, I hate it's not the black and white, so it's like 
you know, the original ash cans or whatever. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I don't like signatures on rare stuff. Like even, um, uh, Johnny, well, man, who am I thinking of? Who's, who's Nestor? What's the guy's name? Howard, uh, uh, Howard Phillips, Howard Phillips. Yeah. I had him sign my, my copy of, uh, Nestor's funky bowling. And I had him sign the back of the cartridge because that's the least destructive place he could have signed it. Cause I don't like signatures on my stuff. The exception to that would be like the triple A list signature, like fucking Shigeru Miyamoto. I don't even know who else is in that pantheon for video games. Like Shigeru Miyamoto can can tattoo his name on my body and I would accept it. Um, but other yeah. than that, like even like fucking uh, like Sid Meier, like huge PC guy, like. I guess I would take a civilization sign by him because civilization is like, you know, a $40 game. But if I had some crazy rare sealed first civilization that was worth a thousand dollars, which I don't think that exists, I still wouldn't have him sign it because the, the exciting thing for the, the rare exciting thing is the condition it's in and giving the creator permission to deface it with a marker is a weird thing. I would still have him sign my $40 copy of the game, but yeah, so I don't like my rare I, stuff signed. I, so in principle, um, I would, I would have the, if it was a cart, I would have the back of the cart signed. Um, because again, least destructive, uh, weirdly I've been asked a couple of times to sign things and that always makes me feel super weird. Um, because I, my signature is worth nothing and I don't know why you would want me to sign anything and I didn't make a game or anything. Um, so it, it's weird for me to do that caveat. Uh, but when I did, I signed the back cause I was like, if you hate this later or think this was a mistake, you can go find another back cart for maybe, you know, these are like pretty easy to replace. So let me do that there. Um, but also when I've had stuff signed, I've had the back signed, like you said, Miyamoto could sign wherever. Um, Alexei Pajanov, I, you know, I signed uh, the front of my Tetris and that was fine. Um, I would have preferred it like on the back of the cart, but a Game Boy card is like really small. So that's hard. Um, like yeah, I would let I him was, sign something that's worthless. Um, yeah. I mean, I would probably I mean, let Lexi enough just because he's international and like, when am I going to see him again? He could sign my ticket. Yeah. So it's just like, again, it's like, where do you get? Like, if I was getting like my Mike Tyson's punch, like, if I was going to a signing, like, and it wasn't just like spur of the moment, you just had to do what you had to do. If I was like a planned event, like, let's say I was going to get Tyson's signature, right? Like Mike Tyson, because Mike Tyson, you know, uh, 80s boxing icon super like you know one of the greatest heavyweights of all time we can sit here and we can fight about it but i think prime tyson is pretty much better than any heavyweight ever we can fight about it i know what people are going to say that you know tyson's not the greatest heavyweight and i agree but prime tyson i probably take over anyway anyways even that i probably have him sign the back of the cart also you can see the signature better like what in the front of the art it's all like it gets weird and you have to like see it through the no like just Sign, sign the back. It's nice yeah, and easy. Yeah, I know. So the thing with the signature visibility is a thing too. Um, yeah, but like on so, that turtles one, the Eastman signature, like up the side, like that's fine. It's not impeding on like the, the black art. part. I hate, yeah, yeah, it's not impeding the art, but like all the other stuff drawn over it, terrible. I hate it. Yeah. Um. So like even when I got Ninja Gaiden signed uh, by the the director and composer of Ninja Gaiden, like I brought my cartridge. I didn't bring my box because when they signed the the gray part of the cartridge, it's easier to see. Um, I just I just it, it I don't think it would look good on my box. I don't want to deface a box. Even with like two Japanese guys, I'm literally I'm never going to see them again in my life. Um, and that's obviously a game that I would very much want signed. And and only Shigeru Miyamoto has he has permission to deface whatever he wants. 
Yeah, I mean, and this and this goes for anything I get signed, like including comics. Like, I don't want your sig- like just like put it somewhere like on the back cover or like on the inside. Like, I would rather just uh, like I got um, some comics signed by the, some Stray Dogs comics because I walked into the shop and he was like signing there. I was like, okay, cool. And then I was like, could you put him like off to the side here? Like, please, like I love the art of this, so please don't mess up the art. Yeah, and so there's a there's also the thing where uh, like guys who sign a lot of things, like Mike Tyson has obviously signed a bunch of stuff. His signature is just not worth as much as a really nice punch out, like especially like the crazy sealed market for punch outs that sports guys are going after. Like people are bidding three hundred thousand dollars for just like a copy of sealed punch out, like not even like the first print and the rarest stuff. Like Mike Tyson's signature would not add value to something where all the value is coming from condition. This is something that that uh, that Pokemon market manipulator scammer guy, um, whatever his name is, the guy who was on Pawn Stars and had a million Charizards. You don't know. You don't follow Pokemon. Uh, Gary is his name. The Internet gave him a bunch of shit. People made like videos crying about how he's like uh, this this complete fraud. And Gary obviously is like not a good community member of Pokemon, I will say. But he had like a PSA 10 Charizard and it was signed by the artist. And he said that the artist signature is essentially worthless because all the value in this card comes from the condition of the card. And the artist signature was on like the slab. And he's 100% correct. Like if a PSA 10 Charizard, I don't know what it's worth, $200,000, having a signature that's worth I'm making this up. A couple hundred dollars is not adding any value to this card. And people are like, how could you disrespect the artist like that? It's like, that's not what the object's value comes from. It's not the signature. You can get a random PSA 8 Charizard signed by them and have their signature, and that could be an exciting thing. But all the value from this comes from its quote-unquote perfect condition. So letting, essentially letting someone ruin that is not uh, an exciting thing for me. Of all the yeah. shit Gary does, I think that's the one thing I have uh, agreed with him on. And like, also think about books, right? People get books signed. Rarely do they get the cover signed, right? They get it signed on the inside, um, on like a proper oh, yeah. book. Well, I mean, books are great because they actually have paper in them. Yeah. But I mean, that's still like, again, I like to see what well, part of it is the signature presentation. If I'm getting it signed by someone, if it matters enough for me to get a signed copy, I want to be able to identify the signature and look at it. Not like and not have it muck up the art. I want I want both things, and I don't think that's wrong. I want the art and I want the signature, and I and like they don't need to meet. Yep. Uh I've got I got two fun sales I could talk about here. I bought a signed Metroid Prime recently for forty dollars. Uh, biggest Metroid fan on the show. Uh oh, biggest Metroid fan on the show, guys. I only I can identify one signature, and I know it's a guy who works for Retro Studios, and I have no idea who the other two signatures are, but it was only $40, so I'm like, all right, I got assigned Metroid Prime by someone. They worked on the game. Why not? Um, not Tommy Tallarico. He overstates how much he worked on Metroid Prime. Uh, I do have assigned Terminator on Sega CD by Tommy Tallarico. Um, and then just recently, ended like yesterday, there was a signed... Uh, Mother One for Famicom signed by like six or seven guys, like all over the cartridge and box. Uh, the box, the, sh- the problem, the box was in bad condition. If it had been like a mint signed Mother, I might have gone for it, but uh, it went for like six or seven hundred dollars. Uh, and it seemed like like I don't know where you get Japanese signatures. So if I was like the world's biggest Mother or Earthbound fan, like I a hundred percent would have bid on that, just because like where where am I ever gonna get Japanese signatures from? So, like, I think that could be cool. It's just a bummer because the condition. I just want to bring it up because it was something I just saw the other day. And that makes sense to me. 
again, yeah, it, it, I mean, again, we, we talk about Miyamoto, but like part of it depends who it is. Like there's some people that just be like, like whatever, whenever, however, let's just do this. Yeah. Like Miyamoto is obviously like, I mean, one of the most important people ever in video games, but then like, there's a lot of guys, like if you're just getting a signature lined up in a convention with 200 people, like for the most part, if they're Americans and that's what they do, they go to convention signing stuff. Like I don't care about their signature that much. The world of signatures now is crazy how it's become like this commoditized thing where it's just so easy to get a bunch of people. So I want, I want some of those hard signatures, Johnny. That makes sense. All anyway, right. let's move it on. Let's uh, let's let's talk about what we bought and what we played. Let's do it. All right, Tyler. Hey, did you play anything? Johnny, I played multiplayer games, which are you don't think are fun. Uh First no, class trouble correct. again. It's I, it's I like I like multiplayer games. So I like to I like to play co op. Um, do you like social deduction? I do. Oh. Like I've played Among Us with you. Oh yeah, uh, you you let me know if I can invite you to play some first class trouble. It's not. It's a little like Among Us. It's in three D. It's a lot more fun because you can. There's a button to just push people down. Which let me tell you, when you're a uh, when you're a crewmate doing Among Us stuff, like basically being crew in Among Us sucks because you're just doing like repetitive tasks that are boring. But you give the ability to like shove someone and push them down in 3D makes it a lot more fun, Johnny. Yeah, well, I, I would be up for playing with you. It, again, just, you know, hard for me to carve out time. But uh, if if the stars align, then sure. Okay, I'll, and the stars need to it. align because for that game, you need exactly six people. Um, so it's hard to get a good group together. Prop Night, Johnny, do you know what Prop Night is? Does anyone know what Prop Night is? This is just a game I got roped into. I have no idea if it's popular. I have no idea. Do you know what Prop Hunt is, Johnny? I don't. Prop Hunt is fucking excellent. Do you know what Gary's Mod is, Johnny? Johnny, do you no. know what video games are? <laughs> no. What are they? Okay. Prop Explain Hunt. it slowly. Prop Hunt is a mode in Gary's Mod where uh, it's a source engine game where there's... Uh, two teams there's like a hunting team and a prop team the prop team goes around and they can turn into actual objects in the world like a soda can or a couch and then they position themselves and try to hide from the people with guns and the people with guns have to go around and shoot what they think are the prop people uh and if they shoot the wrong things they lose health so they can only shoot things that are like clearly in the wrong position or like you'll see them like running away it's hilarious it's fun brilliant idea Prop Hunt takes that idea and combines it with Dead by Daylight, uh, a game that I hate. So the survivors have to run around and uh, fix generators, which is the most boring mechanic in any game ever. You, They have to like run around to a generator and then just like hold the space bar on it for like a minute while it gets fixed. And it's like, oh, is the bad guy going to find me? I'm fixing a generator. That sounds uh, really tedious. It is so tedious. But then the gimmick of Prop Night is that you can also run away from the bad guy and turn into an object in the world at any time. So you just like turn from a person into like a soda can and then you could like really you could, like go hide in a corner and hope they don't see you. I don't know, Johnny. It's Prop Night. I'd rather play Prop Hunt, but that's what uh that's what I played. Okay. Uh I played a little bit of Metroid. I played like 30 more minutes and then had to stop because uh, my son was demanding I go to sleep, so I'm sorry. I don't have any uh, any good playing stories right now. That's terrible. sad news. Yeah, I mean, you're such I, a I fake did, gamer. You don't even play uh, video games. I know. <laughs> I, that's true. Like last night, I got some time to myself, 
And I was like, I could sit here and play Metroid, or I could watch the new James Bond movie. Like, my wife was gone, JD was gone. I went out and I got myself, like, you know, some spicy chicken that my wife hates. Uh, so it was, like, good for me to get it while she was gone. I was like, all right, I'm just going to do this and watch James Bond. It's going to be excellent. And it's, like, a three-hour movie, so. Ooh. It was that or Metroid. Like, I, I literally was like, what should I do? What? I'm like... I can play Metroid for an hour, but like, when am I going to have like three hours to watch James Bond? So, uh, I picked James Bond in that in that case. Okay. Was it good? But, uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, it, like if you like James Bond stuff, I mean, just I, it's been a while since I've been waiting for this movie since I think it was supposed to come out like last October. Um, I would do like a refresher if you don't remember everything that happened in Spectre. So just like I don't think I've seen Spectre. Be, well, you. I'm out of date on James Bond. Is it still you, more like punching dudes in parkour, or is it? They made a little bit more spy shit now. Because I've seen they've been getting pretty good reviews. I just haven't gone back to it yet. Yeah, um, I think Spectre is like more of the spice. I mean, it's it's definitely in the vein of Daniel Craig James Bond, but this is the end of the series. So, okay. um, like, yeah, but definitely you have to watch Spectre. So, or you will be confused. Sorry, that's not like video game stuff. Um, yeah, didn't play anything. Uh, Tyler, what'd you buy? What'd you, since we already did the what'd you play, so what'd you buy? Johnny, I bought a complete in box Mountain King for the Atari 2600. Nice. Uh, a game I played a lot of and I didn't have a copy of and I didn't realize that I couldn't just like go buy one. Um, so I waited for uh, one to come up. It's like 50 bucks. I got a Radio Shack electronic TV scoreboard. Not the first print, Johnny. Uh, this is a Pong console. Uh, came out, I think, in 1976 or 1977. Uh, it's got to be one of the more popular Pong consoles because I recognize the shape of it. It's got these weird, like, remotes. I mean, I guess they all have, like, remotes with, like, a dial on them. But I don't know. I recognize the shape of it. This variant also came with a light gun. And the whole thing, it was, like, $30, complete in box. And I'm like, God, I should buy more Pong consoles. These are fucking awesome. Uh, they're totally yellow. Just bought it. I, I don't even know. Let, it, let me... Let me talk to you. No. No, Tyler, no. No? I think it's cool. Considering how cheap it is, like a complete in box, like this 40-year-old thing, more than 40 years old. Ah, oh, it's so cool. Tyler. It's so cheap. Ah. No. I don't have room for more of them, but I'm, uh, I don't even, it, it, there's no way I was looking for an, a Radio Shack electronic TV scoreboard. It must have come up when I was searching for something related to Radio Shack or Pong, and I'm like, oh, what's this? It comes with a light gun? Ooh. Johnny, let me tell you the best thing I got. That wasn't it. I completed a copy of A2FS1 for the Apple II. I've been looking so long for the correct manual. Please start talking about Pong again. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) A2FS1, Apple II Flight Simulator 1. It is the predecessor to the Microsoft uh, Flight Simulator series. So... One of my favorite things in my collection is my Microsoft Flight Simulator 1.0. Uh, just Microsoft Flight Simulator, huge part of my childhood. I played so goddamn much Flight Simulator. Uh, A2FS1 was made by Sublogic, who uh, Microsoft bought this game and turned it into Microsoft Flight Simulator. It's a baggy Apple II game, and there's like five different manual variants, and there's like a cassette variant versus a later disc variant. On eBay, randomly, I've been... I've, I've been searching for this for so long. Um, a bad condition early print manual came up. So there's a, there's a manual that has a wireframe 
airplane on it that comes in like four different colors. That's the earliest prints. And then there's a manual that shows a picture of an Apple II computer that is later Prince Johnny. And a terrible condition wireframe manual came up, which I've been looking for for so long. It was like $30. Obviously slammed by it now on that. And then immediately I just went and I bought an overpriced uh, version. It was like $150 that had the later manual. Put them together. Bam. I've got an early print of A2FS1, Johnny. Hey, Tyler, congrats. You did it, man. You did it. Woo! All right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I just got to yeah! upgrade all my components. Oh, man, I've never played this in my life. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Uh, John, I got the yellow manual for anyone wondering. I believe there's also a blue and a green, maybe one other color. We, we and all of those are, yes, are earlier and rarer. And the story is like, uh, we just went to the printers and whatever the cheapest paper color was, that's what we printed it on. Um, I want you to know we've talked about this before on the show. That we, we've talked about A2FS1? And these manuals. Have I don't even, When did we bring this up? It may have been in an after dark, but we, we did this. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been... I finally, uh, I got like my baselines to shitty condition early-ish print, and now I can upgrade from here. That's kind of what I'm doing now. Um, uh, I'm, I'm buying everything that's not nailed down and then worrying about getting like, oh, the earliest best condition stuff later, Johnny. Because uh, obviously, uh, as we say on Collector's Quest, everything only goes up forever, and that's how it will always be. Yeah, everything. It's Everything <laughs> is going to the moon. It's just when are you going to hit your, your uh, line to it? Yeah. Do you want to go to the moon? Then buy it now. That's it. Everyone's going to want a poor condition uh, A2FS1, Johnny. You know, the game that you, everyone's always talking about. You should probably hold on to it so you can sell it for the big dollars later. Yeah. Uh, like my baggie is dirty. Like it's just a oh, it's a real God. shit show. I'm going to try that, to ultrasonic clean it, but the baggie has a, a sticker on it. Like I don't want that sticker to fall off. <laughs> you know, it sounds like you're living a rough life. I'm sorry. Tom. Um you know what, Johnny? I care more about having the object than the condition, so got to get that thing. Me first. too. Then you yeah. can upgrade it. All right. Well, that uh, can't be the only thing you bought. Is that it? That's pretty much it. I bought I bought a lot of stuff from the UK and Japan that hasn't arrived yet, so I like having it in my hands before I talk about it. I get that. All right. Shall I? Shall I tell you what I bought? Yeah. I bought some stuff that's just gonna make you want to scream and die. <laughs> oh, great. Um, yeah, cool. So uh, I bought Cyborg Girl on the PC. Why? Uh, MS-DOS 3.5. <laughs> uh, you know, it's the absolute ultimate in PC pinball. Why wouldn't I buy it? That's so weird. What What even led you to down that rabbit? Did you just search for PC big box and sort by cheapest and buy like, oh, Cyborg no, Girl? I told, no, I totally didn't buy that. But I knew you would know what it was, so I just <laughs> wanted to bring it up. Yeah, it's so there's this series they're of like pinball $10. games. Yeah, they're and like it's $10. Just, like, uh, like famously, there's just tons of these new old stock pinball games. I don't even remember who made them, but like Cyber Girl is one of them. And you, you maybe not anymore. Maybe they're closer to $20, but like... Seven dollars shipped all day for this weird new old stuff. Epic game. mega games. Oh, it's an epic game. All right, I didn't know that. Yeah. Anyway, what did you actually buy? <laughs> what did I actually buy? Stuff you're still gonna hate. Hey, uh, do you remember Super Mario Odyssey? That old gem. Uh, they made a Super Mario game for Odyssey. Is this yeah, like a homebrew uh, on the on the Nintendo Switch? Oh, um, yeah. Super Mario Odyssey. So remember those dumb big boxes they made for sure three do. games, Zelda. So they made these games, right? They these are like reprints of the games. Uh Zelda 
uh, Splatoon and Mario Odyssey have these. And they come with these guidebooks or art books. So the Zelda one comes with an explorer's guide. I also bought Zelda. Um, I already had it, but there's a variant for the Zelda. There's a blue, there's like like a blue box. And then they standardize it to like this yellow, yellowish gold box that talks about their bonus guide on the front of this like larger box the Switch case f- fits in. So I bought the Super Mario Odyssey one and I bought the Zelda one because I was like, I just, I'm just going to have the nice, the nice copies of both of these, you know, Mario and Zelda games, because Mario and Zelda, why, why wouldn't I? So. I mean, yeah. Uh, so like the Zelda, like one's like an Explorer edition, one's like a starter edition. Uh, yeah. Well, they're both, they both just come with the Explorer's guide. So. Okay. They, I remember it came out on Black Friday. Set. I'm like, I'm never going to want that. A Breath of the Wild, stupid budget variant. And sometime like this year, or last year, I'm like, ah, I better go get that. It's Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Yeah, so um, the boxes look the same except for the fronts, and the sides have different text sizes, and the top has a different different text sizes. So uh, you can tell the difference uh, if you get them. Uh, the front of the box is the easiest way to tell the difference, and the back of the box, and I, I still have to, it you know, it's a not for resale box. So the back has like more of an art style box instead of like all the, you know, weird product coding and everything that Nintendo has to do on their retail copies. So the, in, like the inner, like actual case is nicer looking because you get like a full art shot on the back. Um, and I think that's the same one that came in the master quest or the master sword edition and the collector's edition. Um, I have to check the UPCs on those though, but it's the same, it's the same art on the back. Okay, so okay. there's a fun, a fun tip, but I think it is going to be the same one as the collector's edition. So yeah, I, I bought those two things because hey, and then I bought the worst double pack in the world because you know how them double packs go, right? The worst double pack. I'm thinking of like Nintendo Wii, like one of those Sonic and the Secret Rings type deals. No, I'm, I'm talking on the <laughs> Switch. I just okay. bought some Switch games. Um, I was like, what can I buy at Targets? Uh, yeah, it's uh, Mario Party and Mario Kart um, double pack. Target exclusive, I think. And uh, maybe it wasn't Ooh. a Target exclusive. I think so, though. I have and, no interest uh, in it, but it's probably going to be $400 one day for some reason. Yeah, that's it says Mario. I like, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, if I ever want this, now is the time to buy it. I got uh, like some cool older stuff coming. Um that I like, I hope comes and I can talk about some other newer, dumber stuff, but uh, it's not here yet. So I can't talk about it. Oh yeah. Uh, huh? I bought I, my castle. Grayskull came. Whoa. That's a thing. Yeah. Uh, Woo. Did I, did I tell you my Darth Vader came too? like my, I, I my, bet you have a lot of Darth Vader things. Well, this is like the, uh, the return of Jedi Kenner one uh, from back in the day sealed. You know, sealed it's not they're not called called it's a mint on card um oh, you know of course so yeah and then um i also bought the slime pit which was um so masters of the universe had the slime pit playset as part of like hordak stuff the horde uh anyways uh slime if you were in the 80s was like a super big cool thing and this thing just dumped slime on your he-man figures um, so that, that thing was great. I always wanted one. No one ever got me one. And I was like, I'm an adult. I can get it myself. What do you want? Yeah. And then I bought it and I was like, so excited to like, look at it and check it out. I was like, this thing is going to be sweet. And, um, it was sealed. 
It was it had never been opened. But the guy listed it as complete in box, a complete with box. But all the stuff he sold, and now I like instant regret that I didn't know this. All the stuff he sold was sealed, and that guy was just listing them all as complete in box. So while the I dream, got a Johnny. yeah, like yeah, while I got a really good deal on this, I was also kind of disappointed that I couldn't open it out, open it up, and check on it. Like uh, check you it out. certainly can. I'm not going to do that because that's <laughs> foolish. I could just go buy one outside of the box and the, for a lot. This was such a good financial deal for me that now I get to buy another copy of the same thing I already own. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that's if I was going to do that. So I was like, oh, so anyways. uh, Yeah, I think I talked on the last one how I bought those sweet Garfield games that no one cares about. Nope. Didn't know they existed. Yep. No one does, Uh, especially since two of them never made it to America. Uh, One day on PC, I think. Yeah, well, yes. Yes, because we all know about the Garfield PC game from 2003 or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's what I bought. Cool. Cool. Did it. Um, Johnny, I think that's the end of our episode. I, I think it is. Hey, everybody. Hope you are having a nice holiday season. I hope you get some awesome stuff. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to see pictures of all the good stuff you guys are getting over this holiday time. Hopefully some people bought you good stuff. As we didn't give a gift guide to tell you guys what to tell your friends to buy you and, you know, your loved ones to buy you. Hopefully they just, uh, hopefully they didn't buy you anything. Hopefully they just let you buy your own stuff because then you don't have to deal with that headache. That's so, how I always feel about retro games. I was thinking about that recently. So I wanted this episode to be a gift guide and you're like, ah, we missed the the window in that. We should have done that in November. And then like, obviously, like once you said that, I'm like, oh yeah, like I've already bought all my gifts already. So who would want a gift guide? Let alone like right now, this is going to come out like, I don't know, probably December 12th. And then I noticed like on eBay, there are like some weird channels I subscribe to, like, like tech channels, like gifts for techies. And it came out like December 10th. And I'm like, huh? Yeah, that's way too late. You, you missed your window on this YouTube video, dude. So next year we will be doing a gift guide in uh, hopefully like mid to late November is probably the ideal time. Yeah. I think much like the holiday episodes, like we just, I mean, we pretty much standardize what happens from October to January one. That just has to be like in our standard, like, yeah, you know, everyone loves a boilerplate episode. Yeah. People, people, I love the holiday episodes. You like everyone else is less invested, but I think the, the new way we have like, games that came with like packets or something we'll probably do a continuation of next year i think i think that's more more in line with uh your thoughts and i think you can contribute better and feel less like i have to find a christmas themed game god damn it yeah Johnny. i don't yeah i don't give a shit about christmas themed games but i think everyone can appreciate every collector can appreciate a game that comes with some tchotchke bullshit yeah so i look i you've you made your complaints known i tried to I think know. about it and i, I worked on it uh, I workshopped the idea for the last couple of years, and I think we arrived at a good place. All right. Um, cool. What's our next episode, John? Is our next episode going to be the year-end review? Because I, people like do that in December for some reason when it makes no sense. But yeah, I think I think the next one is the year-end review, and it'll come out like January-ish, like first, second, third, something like that. Oh, we're taking a Christmas break. Well, I mean, we can record it, and then you can just release it, and then you can take a little break yourself. Mm. Or you can not edit it. I'm just gonna. Like, so let's see. When are we, yeah, I'm just gonna release it towards the end of the year. We're not gonna wait till January. Once it's January, everyone's like, "Oh, it's already 2022. I don't care anymore." People only yeah, care I mean, about 2022 in like the last week of December. Like, yeah, 2022 is coming. Well, I'm I'm hoping Stefan can join us because he, you know, 
he had some medical stuff, so he was not feeling up to it. So I'm, I'm hoping he can oh, yeah, be with us for the next one. You know, um, not like the the game awards. I, I have no idea what happened with the game awards, but that already happened. It's, we've got three weeks. What if your game releases in the next three weeks? Well, it's funny because like Halo Infinite won some game awards. And it wasn't out yet. What the, the fuck? Game, the game what awards the were the fuck? day before Halo mass released. Oh, my God. Like, Halo Infinite getting some good reviews, sense, though. If they get like a screener copy of it, but don't the Oscars happen in like spring? Yeah, because but they everyone, want like I don't know all the movies to come out before they all have a chance to experience and judge them. Even even if you're just talking strictly about like uh, the holiday releases of games, like all the shit that came out in November, are we expecting everyone who voted on the Game Awards to have played every game that came out in like November fifteenth, like the time that the big games come out? To I mean, like judge them for an award show in early December is fucking ridiculous. I you know I I don't think one the game awards have the same clout and I you know I mean they're trying to though there isn't like yeah I I just another like, thing I don't think the financial sway that comes with like an Oscar win comes with winning game of the year and like Especially, is it more prestigious like I'm just is the most popular gaming site like IGN so is the game award game of the year more prestigious or is the IGN game of the year more prestigious. Uh, I don't know. I, is anything from IGN prestigious? I see. I don't like, obviously we don't think so. Cause we're, I think I, Elitist. there's probably people who like appreciate IGN's journalism. I am not an IGN kind of like, I, I kind of um, hate all game journalism. But. Uh, every time I read an IGN article and I'm not saying like, look, I make a, a lot of errors. Uh, we make mistakes on the show. Um, but like every time I, I read an article from there, there's like a spelling error or something like I know, that they got wrong, like right in the article. And you're just like, but IGN is also trying to cover too much. IGN is trying to be like the pop culture site. So it's too wide and too big for me. Uh, I also just miss, uh, God, what was the site I used to like and then became garbage? Um, Giant bomb. Cause everyone left or unfortunately died. Not not Gama Sutra. um, The other one, Kotaku. Remember when Kotaku was good? No. I don't. I, uh, I was it was a long a time ago. Person, so it was like a long, long time ago, and then Kotaku became garbagey, and then like it was so bad. Like I know it's a meme, but like I read some of their headlines, and I'm like, what fucking seventeen year old wrote this? Yeah, but it didn't used to be that way. Like Kotaku used to be written by like I'm talking like the early two thousands, mid two thousands. Like like it used to be written by like thirty five year and forty year olds, people who had like some time and perspective, and now it's just like. You know, and I got to get them reviews out. It's always like some 16 year old trying to do something like they used to do interesting retrospectives or maybe I was just younger and I didn't care as much. And uh, that could also be it. But yeah, I feel like when so maybe, maybe it's just like a, a thing of getting older, though. But when I was like, I don't know, 15 and I was consuming like all of the video game content because I'm like, oh, my God, the Internet, everything is on the Internet. And I'd be like, why? Why can't I write about video games? Why are all these like people in their 30s who like really are like more interested in the industry side of things. Why are they the ones writing about video games? They don't care about games as much as I do. And now that I'm the guy in my thirties, I'm like, why are all these fucking like teenagers and college kids writing the video game news? Get someone who knows, like has like a, uh, like a longer understanding of the video game industry that like can relate some of this stuff back to how things used to be Johnny, not just like, Oh, far cry. Six some, is they have some perspective Their Their view is more circumspect of, uh, of all things, instead of just being uh, these narrow focused, 
Uh, also, like, <sighs> outrage culture is out of hand. So, like, everyone, like, half the articles on all these sites just become about, like, somebody who did something. And I just, I don't care, especially when I just want to hear about how, if a game is good or not. Like, I just don't want any part of that in my, in my stuff. I'm just like, it's fine. That can exist. But I... I just want to read about like the game. Was there some technical wizardry that happened to make it good or what, what happened? Nothing. Oh, okay. No, we just all hate these people now. Okay, cool. That's not, I didn't, I didn't care about that part in the review because it was like really irrelevant to the game, but whatever. I'm an old man. And, and like, we're just going to complain about game journalism, but like every game basically releases. It's funny that you keep calling them journalists. I mean that uh, well that's what they call themselves like if you had to put a title on it it's not a good title I think I'm not I'm not willing to let them self label they're not responsible okay. humans like every game is like unfinished now like obviously again meme everyone knows this but everything still gets like eights and nines based on basically like the potential of what the game could be when it is finished and fixed is all right um game of the year by the way was uh was it Deathloop it was it takes two um not a game. I, I I don't know. I don't know about Never video games. It. Um, it, it's a co-op game. Best sim strategy game was Age of Empires 4 over Microsoft Flight Simulator. Like, okay, I haven't played Age of Empires 4. It could be amazing. Maybe it is. Both those games actually on Game Pass. I should play it. But fuck, Microsoft Flight Simulator is like, if you're a flight simulator guy, this is the game that you have waited 40 years. It is... It's not Microsoft Flight. It's not bullshit. It's got everything. It's got the entire world model. You can fly anywhere. Holy shit, Johnny. And Age of Empires 4 beat it. I guess I got to play some Age of Empires 4. Anyway, okay. that's uh, that's our, our rundown of game of the year something. We hate game journalism. What were we talking about? I I don't know. We're, we're just uh, at the end. Uh, some more interesting stuff uh, at the game of the year stuff, though. Uh, a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. Woo! Johnny, a, a standalone Wonder Woman game was announced. We did I it. I know. Someone listened to Collector's Quest. They're like, oh my god, there's no Wonder I Woman game. I feel like <laughs> I feel like we put that out there and it happened. Yeah, that was all I, us. I, that I feel like that was part of us. Definitely not riding high off of uh, two huge movies or anything nope. like that. Even though the second one wasn't that good, they scrambled um, to put a trailer together based on that show. Yeah, I I agree. It probably wasn't in development for years. Um, yeah, we did it though. But I bet there was other Wonder Woman games that were in development that never came out. Like probably at least one. Maybe. Um, ooh, ooh. Uh, the Game Awards had a, a category: games for impact for a thought-provoking game with a pro-social meaning or message. I don't care about that. I, I this oh. is escapism for me. Stop it. I don't need <laughs> reality. People are like, oh, um, like when people get really bitchy about things, they're like, "Well, I don't know. That jet really doesn't have those two engines." I'm like. Uh, okay, I guess I, I don't really care about that, because, I like, also, this game has me shooting down people in a fictional country, uh, you know, where, where Nazis won, so that also didn't happen, like, just, like, you know, they, I, they harp on, it gets weird, I, I'm not into it, I'm here not for the realism, I'm here for the, here for the escapism. Uh, Johnny, it's uh, Life is Strange won that though. Life is Strange two colors. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I know. Is and that, that Life is Strange that three? <laughs> yeah, or four. I don't know. I I really like the first one, and then like again, like once I start to get beat over the head with social commentary, I I start to check out a little bit. Like it's fine that exists, and I know some people need that. Like I don't like to get into the politics of stuff, but I you know 
it's cool when it's in there sometimes. Like, I'm okay with some messages, but sometimes, I, like, I don't want that to be, I don't want that to be what the whole game's about. That's not what I'm here to play about. I, I believe there's other platforms in which to fight social injustice and uh, that, that those should be leveraged. Uh, and I feel like the mostly white dudes making games still because the gaming industry is still largely dominated by single white, white men uh, probably isn't <laughs> the most wokest, uh, best proponents of change. The, the fact that this category exists, I feel like, is undercutting the the messages that other games can provide because the games that would be in this category are like it's it's going to be the 100 percent like uh, indie games that whack you over the head with a message rather than something more subtle like Gone Home would like win this category in 2016 or whenever the fuck Gone Home came out. Right. Would it? Gone Home was so good. I like Gone Home. I mean, no, Gone Home was good, but like the entire game is just like a 30 minute, like thought provoking message type thing. And yeah. so, or like Life is Strange or something like that. That's like just 100% hitting you over the head with, with story and meaning and stuff. So I, I can't even think of like a more subtle thing. I feel like it's just like it's taking out the uh, more subtle thing. Um, the Witness, Johnny, 100% should win everything. Braid, Jonathan Blow, please. No. Please, release physical media. Give me more of your games, Jonathan Blow. Hey, can I tell you something I am excited about because I feel like I've just been too complaining over the last 10 minutes? Uh, Alan Wake 2. So excited for Alan Wake 2. Man, I love me some Alan Wake. Does that game already exist or was that announced? I literally That was announced. That was announced. All right, cool. I'm so excited Woo. for Alan Wake 2. It's probably going to be five years uh, that and that's kind of a dig at the original Alan Wake because it took so long to come out. Like yeah. it was announced, and everyone's like, "Man, that Alan Wake game looks great." And then, like seven years later, Alan Wake came out. Not that I was sitting around waiting for Alan Wake. More uh, Cuphead was announced. That's oh cool. yeah, Cuphead DLC. That's actually called like deal the downloadable. I don't forget what it's called. It's dessert, delicious lovers. The delicious last course. The, there we go. <laughs> got it. got it. Um. Um, so because there's Cuphead DLC, so Cuphead, man, talk about a game that missed its window for physical media. Cuphead was red hot. They could have sold like a $75 comes with a plushie edition and a million people would have bought it. I mean, they sold a bunch of stuff like that. That kind of did well. They sold tchotchkes. They sold like vinyl soundtracks. They sold a, like a box that had a DLC code in it. I know none of that stuff would have sold as well as like an actual physical copy of Cuphead. Oh yeah. I like, just like, please put out a nice physical copy when this one comes out so yeah i'm hoping that we finally get like now the complete cuphead experience but even then i think they're not gonna hit that same window where cuphead was like a fucking fire and everyone would have bought it uh, maybe. maybe though i don't know maybe this sells millions of copies and i'm wrong but i mean yeah i hope just so give it to like, me either way like the, the us hoping so and if that is the reality then that just means that the new cuphead stuff is really great which is a win right so i'm not uh, sorry yeah. about that all right um is cuphead on anything is cuphead only an xbox game I mean, I know it's a PC um, game too. I like, I, I, I don't. Would I? I don't think I would buy a PC. No, disc you can version. play Cuphead on Switch, right? Oh, okay. Ah, man, would I buy a Switch version? Mm. Yes, because it's Nintendo. Mm. I don't know. Cuphead feels like an Xbox PC game to me. I know it's Nintendo. Fuck! I hate. Why does Nintendo just stop putting games on Switch? Just. 
I hate that I, I have I to by default buy like a worse or less original version of the game, but it says Nintendo, so it's the most collectible version. Right. I, I, I hate, hate that it. too. I, I wish like I wish the Xbox games like Cuphead were just say Xbox exclusives or like PlayStation exclusives right? and not come to the Switch because the minute it comes to the Switch, I'm like, oh man, now I gotta consider it again. And like if I only have to pick one copy, it's like uh, especially like if it's new, like I'm gonna pay like the $40 for the switch version. Cause I know the Xbox one will be on sale for like $14 one day. And the Nintendo one, especially if it's a, you know, it's always going to be like $30. It's just like, eh, it doesn't financially make sense to buy this one. I got this dumbass Stardew Valley thing uh, for switch, a game I will never play on switch. Um, I'm going to get the, uh, Undertale, I want to get. I'm just gonna get that Undertale limited edition, but it's a game I've only ever played on PC. But I'm gonna get the Switch version, which is stupid. Why am I doing it? It makes no sense. But I, I'm just gonna get the Switch version, I guess. Don't forget Hollow Knight. Get your Hollow Knight. Is that still a thing? Uh, I see. I never played Hollow Knight, so I don't really care. It's good. Um, it's in my Steam library, though. Go play it. All right. All right. Uh, let's let's wrap this up. Hey, Tyler, where can they find you? I'm on. Uh, I guess I'm on Instagram, Johnny, and I'm on the video game stage. I'm default gen, default G-E-N. And you can find me at Johnny underscore Ayuchi, and that uh, is on Instagram, or you can find me as a uh, host in our Patreon. So find us on Patreon, collectors, or patreon.com slash collectors quest, where you can join for as little as $2 or as much as 6 but really 4 is that sweet spot. So like, stop joining the $6 tier. I appreciate it, guys, but I, I don't feel like we're really delivering anything at the six dollar level. We uh, uh, we already shilled the Patreon. There's something else that came up, so shut up. We don't. Right. We're e beggars at this point. Stop it. Oh, was well, <laughs> telling people not to like where to put their money if they were going to. Um, and uh, yeah, don't forget our other host, uh, the Art of NP. That's Stefan, and you can find him at the Art of NP, and he will be at the SoCal Retro Gaming Expo. And uh, be sure to check him out on Twitter under the Art of Nintendo Power. But you can search Art of NP and also find him. And on Instagram. But his Instagram one, like, just so you know, he uses that pretty liberally. So you will also find, like, not game stuff there. So if that really turns you off, um, just know that that's also, like, a personal account for him. That's it for the show. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. And I hope your holidays are merry and bright. That's it. Bye. That is our show. If you caught what we got wrong this week, you are this week's lucky winner. I said there were like five silent service games. There are two silent service games. There are five silent hunter games, meaning there are at least seven submarine simulation games on PC that start with the word silent. Thank you to 8-Bit, A-P-E-Bit, like the monkey for our intro music, 8-Bit.Bandcamp.com. And thank you to our patrons, Richard Patron number one, Bowden, Canadian Variant Alert, Chris Glidden, Nintendo World Champion, Daniel Jacksvick, High End Collector, Andrew Brim, 50 Hertz is good enough for me, Andre, Ben Parker, a bad enough dude to rescue the president, video games were meant to be slabbed, Brandon Ackley, Brian Gupta, and Pocky and Rocky with Becky, Mint Condition, Brian J. Mora, The Strictly Limited, Super Rare, Bruno, Fat Cat Collector, Chris Jackson, Chris SNK, Too Many NES Accessories, Morozek, Johnny's GBA Hookup, Coffee with Mr. Saturn, Playing with Power, Connor Strange, The Last Game You Need for the Set, Corey O'Brien, Unpunched Hangtab, Dustin Beagle, He Has Returned to Judge This City, Eric Addison, Man 
fan of Nintendo in the world of Nintendo, Funky Brewster, the actual Shinobi, Jasonic the Kid, Jeff the Game Boy Ferris, Red Pyramid Thing, Jonathan Shados, the Nintendo Tape Archivist, Joseph Leo, Lance Lord Hardstyle Z, the Degenerate Matt Ball, Mr. CIB, get your loose Genesis carts out of here! Funko Land employee, platform agnostic, read the game shark. The Famicom Box, retro game enthusiast, definitely the only guy listening to this episode who cares about topples in it. They can be ghosts and goblins twice, chefish, vintage video game connoisseur who knows they're better than modern games, the fuzzy, Sean, the Gamer Collective, the Newcraft, who could beat Mega Man without the pause trick, got two nicknames of people beating hard games now. All right, you guys are just super good gamers. Previously unknown variant, Tim Walker, from the internet, Todd Fisher, can't put limits on collecting, VG Collectaholic, the Willennium, Will Joe, Keeper of the Zelda variant, 0x Def Code, getting the full PS2 set because Stefan won't, all caps. What a 9.8, A++, Benji, the actually rare Bird Dog Gaming. Brandon Rogers, whose favorite episode is the wrestling episode. Dropping the Mario 64 Penguin off the map. Brandon Chacker, still finding deals in 2021. Colton Murphy. A winner is him, David Green. Derek Lauer, who made me edit this show. Don Libby, the hero of time. Actually understands the Zelda timeline. Jeff Pierce, he is error. Jeff Russell. Jeremy Jarvis, here for the Pog Talk. Jim Jacobs, world record holder of best collection. Joe actually plays his games champ pity. Video game art collector because video games are art. Justin Chichio, lateral movement, who's got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Michael, posted in the Discord right now, Chiara Monti. Nick, the video game database, Morgan. Homebrew mastermind, Divertov. The other guy who collects Korean releases, Peaceful Games. Man, his games are so nice. Dungeon Master, Reed Stubenick. The promoter, Retro RPG Podcast. Tom, Obscure Variant, Chaser Chase. Zaventorian, he knows all 97 Nintendo games. 32 bits or less, do the math! Andrew, actually collecting Engage O. Default Gen, J-E-N, B-Nubs! Chesno, all your base are belong to him. Colby, he is Sinistar. Corhagen does what Nintendo don't. Daniel McArdle, who thought this was the Retronauts Patreon. The modern database, Danny Gomez. The philatelist, Dork Overlord. My childhood PlayStation idol, Game-Rave.com. Joseph Rogers got 50,000 on Double Dragon, another god gamer. Collector of everything, including Atari, Kalen McAteer, Sam, Sega Mark III, Marks, and Sean the Video Game Illuminati LaCroix. Thank you guys so much.